the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a new week here on the Dave Ellswick Show on Monday and uh, 2 o'clock, a little after 2 right now. And we've got a good show for you. 2.35, Casey Diaz is going to be with us, author of The Shot Caller. He was a former gang member. And uh, he's going to talk about the border and uh, what's going on on the border. I n- I'm not sure if he was MS-13 or not, but he was a gang member. Seems like he's MS-13 because he's from El Salvador. So we'll we'll talk to him about that and, and get it cleared up for you. But he'll sp- uh, spend about 25 minutes with us in the next half hour. Then uh, Robert Steinbach's coming in. Uh, we'll be talking all the topics that are going on right now. And at uh, 4 o'clock, uh, we'll be joined by uh, Conduit News. And Brenda and Joe will be here. We'll talk about this kind of unholy alliance between business and uh, po- politicians. And in the final hour, Pat Davis is going to join us. And we'll talk a little bit about health care again with him. Uh, for the last hour of the show today so got a lot of things to talk about tomorrow uh power panel will be in i'm still waiting on a call back from the state police trying to get them on i know that jan morgan is trying to get on uh the uh alcohol tobacco and firearms people and the, and the big question that we want answered is about how if you are a concealed carry holder how having a medicinal uh, drug card is going to affect your ability to conceal carry. We'll talk about uh, that tomorrow, and that's going to be fun to talk about that. Elizabeth uh, is going to come on with us tomorrow as well. We'll get her insights on a lot of the stuff that's going going down uh, in Washington, D.C., and uh, – I think R.D. will be here as well. We'll get him in uh, on the discussion also. So we'll have a lot of people uh, joining us here in the first two days. A lot of things to talk about. Uh, Some different things kind of shake out and see what's going on. Hope your weekend was good. Mine was good. uh, Turned into nice weather by uh, the afternoon on Saturday. A beautiful day yesterday. Got things started on the deck. We're trying to finish it up before we open the pool up, which has happened in a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we're uh, staining the deck right now. And uh, first uh, coverage, about a, about a gallon and a half. Got another gallon and a half left ready for the second coat. We'll get that done uh, by about 8 o'clock tonight. It'll be all nice and dry supposed to be fairly dry now through uh to wednesday and then we're going to get some uh, significant precipitation on wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday and i saw an article today saying that all the way up until almost july they're expecting things to be wetter than normal and 
the temperature will stay down a little bit. So that'll keep us from getting into uh, drought conditions uh, early on this year. Uh, but uh, say that you know we can expect norm uh, normal weather. I guess they're saying we've got a mini El Nino going on right now. A mini El Nino, and that's what's bringing in the Pacific uh, air and then melding up with the the gulf uh, the gulf uh, uh humidity and bringing rain into the area i could do without not seeing any more rain for at least 2 3 weeks but that's not going to be the case we're going to have on and off rain and some of those days of rain it's going to be awful heavy story uh, here today i wanted to read a little bit of it to you since it leads into some things that we're going to talk about in the next half hour. This is off of Fox News. And uh, says, former U.S. drug czar says national focus on opioid epidemic is overlooking the real culprit. William Bennett, the nation's first drug czar, said today that the debate about the opioid overdose epidemic wrongly focuses on prescription drugs. While the government's opioid crackdown has involved reducing the supply of lethal opioids and reducing painkiller prescription rates, black market opioids such as illicit fentanyl and heroin actually have been the driving force of the epidemic in recent years, said uh, said Bennett. Now, if you remember... Uh, we've been hearing about some massive fentanyl bus uh, at uh, some of the bigger ports here in the, in the country. There's one in New York, it seems to me, two about two months ago, where they had over a million hits of fentanyl that was being trying to be uh, moved into the country from China. Said. Uh, uh, Bennett, the nature of the problem has changed in the last two or three years. So what's changed? What's the big change? Well, Baker says, under President George H.W. Uh, Bush, it's changed because now it's fentanyl. It's now heroin that account for most of the overdoses. A key reason, Bennett said, is that fentanyl and heroin are cheaper than prescription drugs. When I was up in New Hampshire, they told me you can pay $10 for a pill to get an Oxycontin, but two bucks will get you heroin, three bucks will get you fentanyl. And that's the nature of the problem. You talk to law enforcement people that will tell you they haven't seen a lot of the other stuff, the Oxycontin, on the street, but they're loaded with these cases of fentanyl. The CDC reported last week that about 70,000 Americans died of a drug overdose back in 2017. Nearly 48,000 involved at least one type of opioid, that's roughly 30,000, uh, and 30,000 involved fentanyl or some other kind of synthetic opioid. 15,500 involved heroin and 14,500 involved prescription op- uh, opioid 
painkillers. Other government data have indicated that many people who overdose on prescription opioids stole them or obtained them from the person to whom they were prescribed. Bennett said he's glad to see pharmaceutical companies prosecuted if they engaged in illegal activities. That happened last week. Uh, Big pharmacy busted uh, millions of prescriptions and said uh, they're, uh, they're engaging in illegal activities such as lying about the addictive properties of some painkillers in order to boost sales of prescription opioids. Just last week, in the latest of a series of actions against pharmaceutical companies, the founder of a highly addictive legal fentanyl spray was convicted on charges related to paying doctors millions of dollars, uh, millions of dollars, uh, to in bribes to prescribe the drug. The founder, John Kapor, the 76-year-old former chairman of Incense, Therapeutics was found guilty of racketeering conspiracy after 15 days of jury deliberations. Uh, they they should be investigated and convicted if they committed a crime, Bennett said. And he went on to add, what I'm concerned about is the emphasis is so much on these pharma companies on OxyContin and OxyCodone. Yes, they can be dangerous. Yes, people have gotten addicted. But most of the deaths that come from those drugs and where you see deaths from oxycontin and oxycodone prescriptions drugs, it's because of illegal diversion. The federal crackdown on legal opioids has led many prescribers to forcefully tamper down or altogether abandoned chronic pain patients who have in many cases responsibility taken painkillers for years in order to function. Many states have implemented strict regulations as a result of a 2016 CDC guideline on opioid prescribing. The CDC has said often that the guideline was not meant to be enforced and that it was issued to help primary care physicians prescribe opioids to a first-time user. Now, here's the problem with that. If the CDC is saying this and giving it to, to uh, uh, you know, doctors and, you know, physicians out there and it's found that they're following it and they're giving what they think or a state thinks is too much, they can lose their license. Most people, the vast majority of the people who are prescribed these painkillers do not abuse them, Bennett said. The CDC had to come back, issue another kind of guidance, saying a lot of people who pain kill pills are not getting them. Both the CDC and Food and Drug Administration warned doctors last month not to abruptly stop prescribing opioid painkillers to patients who are taking them for chronic debilitating pain, generally lasting more than three months. Now, we had those ladies on about a year ago, I think it was, talking about who at, at that time we had um, our state representatives making decisions, I believe, erroneously, instead of letting the doctors make the decisions about what painkillers and how many painkillers uh, their their uh, uh, patients should be able to take. I, I just don't think it is 
in the patient's best interest if, uh, you know, elected people who don't know squat. I mean, they're not doctors. So how do you know how many is bad and how do you know that what the person is taking, he shouldn't keep taking or she so that they can continue to live uh, a, a relatively normal life. And uh, they've caused some people to go through a lot of pain that they really uh, shouldn't have had to deal with. So think about that. It's unbelievable to me. I don't know about you, Russ, but this is unbelievable to me that they can get on the street now good grade heroin for three bucks. Think about that. One of those little cellophane packets now, three bucks. I remember when they were 30 and 40 bucks a packet. You remember Pat, uh, the panic in Needle Park in New York City back in the, what was it, the late 70s, early 80s when, you know, heroin got cut back so severely and people were killing each other out in Central Park and stuff? I remember hearing about it. It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Not that way now. Well, when you hear about a ship pulling into a port and, uh, you know, the drug folks get a uh, DEA gets a uh, a break and they make a big bust. It is inconceivable to me that there's like a million hits in that in that bust. There was enough fentanyl in that one bust that happened several um, months back, maybe almost a year ago, that you could have killed everybody in the United States with it. Un. Believable. So we got uh, we got some serious problems. Don't forget, coming up at three uh, two thirty five, Casey Diaz will join us, the author of the Shot Caller. He will join us. He is a former gang member. He'll tell you what's going on on the border, and that's going to happen here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Time for a break. Let's get that in. Uh, let's find out what's happening, and then we'll come back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I I saw the story, and I have to read it to you. Joe Biden was out in South Carolina this weekend making a swing through South Carolina to was too uh, funny. get a whole bunch of money. You know, he's asking people to get money. And here's what he said. Democratic presidential candidate, and this is from Politico. Democratic presidential uh, candidate Joe Biden reportedly had to correct himself over the weekend after he told donors that Margaret Thatcher is concerned about the United States under President Trump. Margaret, Th- Margaret Thatcher is concerned. I, I got to tell you, I don't think that Margaret Thatcher is concerned about anything dealing with politics right now. Because you see, Thatcher, who was the former prime minister of Britain, died in 2013 nearly two years before Trump launched his first campaign for president. According to Bloomberg News, Biden eventually corrected himself, explaining to the donors he meant to say British Prime Minister Theresa May instead of Thatcher blaming the mix-up on a Freudian slip. Biden confusing... That's sick. <laughs> I know. This, a Freudian it, slip with Margaret Thatcher? Yeah, that's kind of... I know it's disgusting thought, isn't it? He's a freak. Yeah, well, we've all known that. 
Uh, Biden's confusing comments came Saturday during a closed-door fundraiser in Columbia, South Carolina. He listed Thatcher as one of 14 heads of state who he claimed have voiced concerns to him about Trump, the outlet reported. No word uh, yet if FDR told him he was worried about what Trump was trying to do here. Goebbels was, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, During his fundraiser swing in South Carolina, Biden also took a page out of Trump's playbook on Saturday when he was asked if he had a nickname for the president. Biden reportedly said he didn't want to get down in the mud with Trump. But if he had to choose, see, since you're asking me, I'll make sure that I offer you a a nickname for the president. Don't want to get down in the mud. But if you're going to force me to, I'll get down in the mud. Uh, Biden reportedly said he didn't want to get down in the mud. But if he had to choose a moniker for the current White House occupant, it would be a clown. There are so many nicknames I'm inclined to give this guy, Biden said. And he told this to political. You can just start with clown. Unbelievable. What can I tell you? That's that's Biden. Okay. Did, did you hear about... Uh, the NPR reporter that talked about the bar summary about the Mueller report. Here, let me let me read this to you. This is another good one. The Department of Justice supporter for NPR referred to the date of Anthony uh, Attorney General Barr's summary of the Mueller report as, quote, a day that will live in infamy. A day that will live in infamy. Does that sound familiar to anybody but me? It sounds awful familiar. In fact, uh, that was what was said by President Franklin Roosevelt in 1941 in his speech. On D-Day. Following the, uh, no, not D-Day, Pearl Harbor. No, 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 uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, Pearl Harbor attack. NPR's Kerry Johnson made the comment during the NPR Politics podcast last Wednesday while discussing Barr's testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee, during which he answered questions about the summary he gave of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. It was later revealed that Mueller wrote a letter to Barr and spoke to him on the phone expressing his frustrations with what he characterized as a mischaracterization of his conclusions by Barr. He didn't say they were wrong. He said he just thought that Barr mischaracterized. Despite having presumably read the letter on March 27th, Barr told Congress a week later he didn't know what Mueller's opinion was of his summary letter. March 24th, a date that will live in my brain in infamy, a Sunday, remember, Barr sends his four-page letter to Congress, Johnson said during the podcast. Listeners soon drew connections to a phrase and the remarks made by President Roosevelt in 41. Although both days are undoubtedly significant in the fabric of American history, some have criticized the perceived comparison as an exaggeration since more than 2,000 people were killed during Pearl Harbor and 
precipitated the United States' entry into World War II. I'd say that's a little bit bigger than the Mueller report. Johnson hasn't returned a request uh, for comment. So what can I tell you? Hyperbole? Absolutely. All right, we're going to come back. Uh, Casey Diaz is going to join us, the shot caller. That's the name of her, his new book. And he's going to talk about, you know, how he got into gang membership, talk about what's going on in the border, talk about how he found God and how that changed his life. All of that is coming your way in the next half hour right here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. It's Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. Uh, the answer I'll return after we give you 60 seconds of what's going on in the world and give you some weather, and we get ready to move on into the second half of this hour's show. You know, some people write books that have had conversion experiences, and they become great, 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 uh, have great impact on the culture around them. Casey Diaz is the latest author of a new book called The Shot Caller, a Latino gangbanger's miraculous escape from a life of violence to a new life in, in Christ. And when I saw the title of his book, the first person I thought of was Nikki Cruz. And I, I bet you that uh, Casey Diaz knows exactly who I'm talking about. And uh, Casey, how are you? Have you, have you ever had the chance to, to meet Nikki Cruz? I'm actually um, going to have a, a meeting with him in person, and he actually did the the forward on on my book. Oh, very cool! Very cool <laughs> indeed. That that he had a huge, a huge impact on on people's lives, and it sounds like to me that you are doing that uh, as well. Let's talk a little bit about the book, and then I want to talk a little bit about your views of what's going on on the border here uh, during. Uh, this crisis that we're having down on on the southern border, you got involved in a gang at what eight years old? Is that right? Uh, actually, eleven years old. Eleven. Okay. What what drove you to to get into gang membership? Um, I think the you know the lack of mentorship, um, having a father that wasn't um, uh, there, uh, you know, being supportive or or. Um, you know, contribute to, to the family unit. Um, and then, you know, when you're left alone unsupervised for that long, uh, uh, amount of time, um, uh, any kid is going to get into and dabble into uh, things that he shouldn't. All right. Now, you were, you were over in uh, the southern part of L.A. County there in uh, Los Angeles. Not the best place to be raising yourself. No, you know, uh, it's uh, it was... Um, the very early stages of uh, the gang culture in what's called the, the Rampart District and South Central, uh, Compton, Watts, uh, throughout those streets. And, and at that time, it was just, uh, you know, it was in, it was in peril. Um, it, it was a very dangerous time to live in. Yeah, so you you were, you know, being raised by your secondary family, which was the gang itself, correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, so tell tell us a little bit about that because you you saw what a triple murder at the age of eight is that what I understand? Yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, again, my my my, uh, my mom uh, she would uh, go to work at four in the morning and wouldn't return until like you know ten eleven o'clock at night, and uh, having a dad that was outside uh, doing absolutely nothing, uh, 
uh, you're you're on your own pretty much. And uh, so at, in this particular incident, I was hanging out in in the fire escape of this building on the third floor uh, where we lived, and um, uh, I witnessed the uh, triple uh, murder wow. right before my eyes. All right. So how did that? If you can remember that clear back to when you were eight, how did that affect you? How did that? How did that direct your life? Well, I think um, it definitely uh, uh, gives you a different view of um, the value of life uh, very early, uh, especially at eight years old. You know, you, you look at three, not just one, but three uh, people getting murdered uh, in front of you. It, it just becomes, uh, it, it gives you a sense that life is cheap and um, not worth uh, much. And uh, when you're growing in, in, in a uh, gang culture, in a gang environment, uh, that very easily uh, becomes part of you. And, uh, you know, the way that you think is not ordinary. It's not uh, healthy. It's not right. All right. So 11 years old, you join a gang. Uh, any gang that the people would recognize, Crips, Bloods, MS-13? Yeah. I mean, your family came here legally from El Salvador. MS-13, you must have known about them. Yeah, the, they actually uh, started... Um, uh, very late in the game, um, in the gang uh, game, you know, they, they uh, just came in uh, mid '80s, uh, and by that time, it was already um, uh, the gang wars were already taking over the streets of Los Angeles, and they were actually um, uh, rockers. They were, they were, you know, they were into heavy metal. Uh, uh, they weren't real, really gang members the, the way that we uh, dressed, and uh, you know, they didn't speak a language. Uh, so uh, that's how MS uh, became uh, a unit. And um, I was from a gang called uh, the Rockwood Street Locals. Okay. Um, uh, and it's uh, about three miles away from um, uh, the downtown uh, LA uh, uh, district. And um, so MS-13 and 18th Street, those were rival gang members uh, uh, that we um, had fused with. All right. Can you explain to my listeners as an 11-year-old what day-to-day existence was with uh, in a gang where you did you attend school every day or did you hang out with the gang every day i mean what was a true you know kind of a typical day for you um yeah you you still went to um you know uh, uh school uh but in the school uh, you know that this it, it's like a uh it's like a, it's like a cancer these gangs uh you know they they start taking over a school they start taking over, and school becomes really a uh, a playground to to invite uh, you know uh, many little kids to to, to the gang thing. And so you still went to school, but you know now you're hanging out with a different crowd, and it's a, it's a gang. It's a, it's um, a somewhat uh, organized by other gang members, uh, those that are uh, you know the shot callers, those the gang leaders. And so uh, you you know, you're not doing your homework, you're not doing uh, classwork. That's that's for certain. Um, and uh, you're you're dabbling in in the petty crimes and you know in fights inside the school. Uh, it, 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 and when you come out that uh, out of a, a school day, you know you have a hundred to one hundred fifty gang members outside that gate. Um, it's it becomes very intimidating to other students uh, and the community as a whole. Yeah, it's something that. You know, people should understand when you talked earlier, you talked about seeing a triple homicide. 
that the person who did this was in a car had just just drove up these guys were walking down an alley he got out of the car walked up to him didn't start yelling at him or anything he just opened fire on them and killed them all three of them got back in the car and drove away correct that's correct um the um the, he there was no um um he did it so it was almost like he had did this before um there was no um running uh, he didn't uh, step on the on, on the gas and and uh you know uh went off in a hurry he, he was very extremely calm when he did this wow incredible I can't. I can't tell you. You know, this is so close to what we heard from Nikki Cruz uh, back in in the seventies. It's it's incredible. But as far as you were concerned, how did you move up in the gang, and then what got you put in prison? So I moved up in the gang uh, very uh, very easy in, in the sense that um, you know there was a gang leader that uh, pretty much took me under his wing and and. Uh, taught me everything that that needed to be known uh in in this gang in the streets and because he was so popular uh that kind of uh that kind of mantle uh fell on me and uh and so every party that he went to uh, i was there next to him and everywhere he went i was there and so uh he, he just took a lightning uh, t- uh to me and uh, unfortunately it, it, it did a, a lot of damage uh later on in my years but at 16 i was um arrested uh, for a, uh, a, a gang um, uh, rival's uh, a murder. Okay. And I take um, it you were found guilty of that then? I was found guilty. Uh, this is the time where uh, California was just um, kind of seeing how early um, they can try young, uh, young uh, offenders as adults. Mm-hmm. So I fit in, in in that kind of category. And so I was tried as an adult and then... Uh, but at that time, it's so early in the stage that they were they were still sending us to what's called the California Youth Authority, and kind of kind of in hopes of re- rehab, working for uh, young offenders. Uh, but while I was uh, placed in in the California Youth Authority, I ended up um, uh, I got caught in the act of us uh, uh, strangling another uh, rival gang member, mm. and uh, almost killed my second uh, victim there and. So because of that, they they decided um, I wasn't fit for the California Youth Authority, and I was shipped uh, to the uh, men's uh, central jail right away. And um, then, uh, you know, uh, from there, uh, was transferred to uh, New Folsom State Prison. Okay, so you know, I from what I'm hearing, I'm hearing a guy that's full of rage. Was that the case with you? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, with violence uh, starting very early in, in my home and witnessing uh, a father that drank uh, his life away and, and uh, very violently beat my mom uh, every other day. I mean, she would come home from, you know, that those long hours at work just to get a beating. I mean, that's so it was it was just nonstop violence all around me. And I think it just becomes you, you become callous to to violence. Uh, it just it you kind of figure out that uh, this is the way that life is for you, and, and you just uh, kind of roll with that. All right, so you, you ran into Jesus while you were in, in jail. Of all the places to run into him, you, run, you ran into him, and he changed your life. Tell us about it. Um, there was a, a little little church that came to um, this prison, and um, 
a little a little black lady that uh, little Baptist lady uh, that just had nerves of steel and 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 a boldness about her faith, and um, uh, she walked into uh, this uh, cell block, uh, asked if that uh, if there was an inmate in the cell, and and I didn't know they were talking about me, but she was discouraged to approach my cell initially, and um, she she just wouldn't she wasn't going to get a, a no for an answer and. Uh, the uh, the correctional officer gave her permission to approach my cell. I was in my third year of solitary confinement there. I was supposed to serve my uh, my whole entire sentence in what's called the shoe program, and um, she just wouldn't accept uh, no for an answer. And uh, she approached my cell, and uh, for the next uh, year and six months, uh, she became a, a prayer warrior that just uh, interceded for my life. And then I had an incident, an encounter with Christ in my cell by myself in solitary. And that's where um, my life uh, would then take a change for the better. So tell us about that uh, initial meeting with Jesus. You're in a cell. You're by yourself. Was it that, that small voice that you hear or, or, or was it even was it bigger than that? It was uh, it was a lot bigger than that. Um, you know, I, I go into full details in in, in the book, uh, the shot caller, about my conversion. I, I don't want to spoil it uh, too much, but okay. it, it was an, it was an encounter that um, you know here I am twenty uh, something years later, still talking about that, and and it really did change my life. Um, uh, I uh, to the point where uh, I stepped down from my leadership position as a gang member, uh, as a gang leader. And um, my life would then uh, be required of me uh, within the gang culture as well, because you don't just simply step down and and tell your gang, uh, you know, uh, I'm done, and you know, let me let's shake hands, and that, that that's it. Doesn't happen like that. Uh, so um, I went through some to, for the following two years through some heavy persecution, uh, and um, you know, uh, God was with me throughout that time. And uh, two years uh, after that. Um, uh, over 200 inmates would become uh, born again through wow. uh, the decision that I made for Christ. Fantastic. Casey, if you hold with me, i got to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the border some. Our guest is Casey uh, Diaz. The name of his book is The Shot Caller. I'm going to assume Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, all the traditional places you would go to pick up a book is where you can pick up your book, correct? That's correct. All right. We'll be back with Casey in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And our special guest, and will be with us for just a few more moments, Casey Diaz, author of the book The Shot Caller, uh, into a gang, gang at 11, into incarceration, not that long afterwards. Uh, as, uh, is, it all, is it all right for me to say committed murder? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Committed murder, tried to commit murder a second time, was stopped, and uh, was in, uh, you know, uh, put up and locked up by himself and found Christ to change his life. That's the one thing Jesus is good about, is changing people's lives and bringing the supernatural into the natural. And I'm glad to hear about this uh, for you, uh, Casey. And how many how many years now has it been as a Christian? Uh, um well, um, it's been quite a while. I'm, I'm, uh, I got born again in, Jesus, uh, almost, I'm going on close to 30 years almost. Wow. Fantastic. Good job, man. 
You're hanging yeah. in there with the faith. That's cool. Well, let's talk about the uh, the border because your story can be the story of a lot of people that are coming across the border uh, illegally, have no place to turn, are already involved with coyotes or, or gangs and things of that nature. MS-13, very active along the border. Tell us a, a little bit about that. What are your thoughts about what's happening on our southern border? Well, you know, it, it, it's definitely a big problem uh, that we're having out there uh, south of here. And, and it's it's something that, you know, we just can't uh, um, ignore. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been on, on several shows and where I, uh, I'm i very open and, and I stand where I stand because, uh, you know, you're talking about 1980s where uh, it was just a, a, it was a riot out here. It, it was just gang violence left to right. But even then, in, in all the uh, uh, the evil and all the, the wicked stuff that was going on back, back in the 80s with the gang culture, um, there was lines that you just didn't cross you know, the, as a gang member. Uh, as a gang, you, you, there was rules. And uh, one of those rules were, you know, you, you didn't, uh, come in, uh, in, into the county jail or into any of the prisons in California, uh, uh, having charges against you, uh, like, you know, any sex crimes, uh, crimes against, uh, women or, or children. That is, you did not want to get arrested for any of those. And the gangs of today are very different. It's changed. And, you know, you got sex trafficking. Uh, it's a big money maker to the gangs out there. And, uh, you know, and, and drugs. I mean, that's it's a nonstop uh, occurrence on a daily basis uh, south of the border here. And it, something has to be done, and it needs to be uh, done with, with urgency. And I think that uh, uh, our president is doing a, a wonderful job in, in um, making sure that, you know, uh, the right people are in uh, leadership, that the right uh, things are uh, happening. Um, and um, I, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm 100% with them. Um, with uh, President Trump and what he's doing with with the uh, southern border. So as you look at the southern border, uh, do you agree with a lot of other people that we do need a physical barrier along that southern border? Absolutely. You know, and and I'm not an immigration expert, but there definitely has to be something. Something needs to be there, whether it's a border uh, wall or uh, uh, drones, whatever it is, military. Anything and everything helps to put a dent in, uh, in, in, in these, these gangs trying to get in here. You know, not everybody that's coming over here, this is the reality, and, I, and I'm Hispanic, so I'm going to say this. Not everyone that's coming in here uh, or trying to get here is coming here to pick our apples. That's, that's just the truth. You know, you got gangs, you got uh, organized crime involved, uh, and, and a whole lot of ruckus that, that's, uh, that we don't need out here. Um, you know, and, and they don't come and, uh, uh, and uh, settle in you know, in the suburbs, they don't come to live, uh, you know, where, 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 uh, in Bel Air or Santa Monica, they come in and they live in, you know, low income areas where that's where it starts. And this is where it, it continues to, to, um, cause harm to our, our city. So, uh, I, I'm speaking as, as someone that has been there, done that and, and bought the shirt. So, uh, I, I hope that, you know, uh, that border, uh, wall is, is built and extended, uh, as far as it can go, um, because there is a, a, a an urgency uh, at hand. Casey Diaz is the author's name. The Shot Caller is the name of the book. He's a man who found God, and God's used him in a very powerful 
way in his life. And uh, Casey, we appreciate you joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. We look forward to having you again when we got a little bit more time to talk. You have a great afternoon, brother. Thank you so much, Dave. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Casey Diaz here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. You familiar with Nikki Cruz, Russ? Okay. Yeah, Nikki Cruz, uh, part of, uh, oh, what was what was David uh, Wilkerson's? group and uh, the name of the book was the cross and the switchblade great book there was a movie made out of it i think that pat boone starred in it if i'm not mistaken and uh, i think you'd find it uh, very interesting uh, to watch his his life seems to mirror what casey diaz has gone through although i don't think nikki was uh, incarcerated in prison like casey was I don't think he killed anybody like Casey Diaz did. But it sounds like the book is one that needs to be read. It's called The Shot Caller. So Dave Ellswick Show, let's take a break. We come back. Robert Steinbach should be joining with us. It's what's so fun about doing this show. I get to meet so many interesting and unique people. Dave Ellswick Show, back with more in a moment on 101.1 FM the answer all right my thanks to casey diaz for joining us uh the name of his book again the uh the shot caller and uh, sounds like one that i'm going to read I'll, i'm going to get me a copy of it order it uh, by on kindle should have it on my kindle later tonight all right so uh before we go much further let me just i know that you everybody who listens to this show knows that i i pay attention What's going on at the box office? I did not go uh, to the movies this weekend because basically it was all Avengers. It was all in-game all the time. Now in just 12 days of global release, Avengers in-game is already the second largest worldwide release of all time. It topped $2 billion globally and delivered over $619 million at the domestic box office. Lost in its wake, the weekend's three new wide releases were led by Screen Gems thriller The Intruder, while Lions game, game, uh, Lionsgate pardon me, Longshot and STX's animated feature Ugly Dolls finished the weekend on the lower end of expectations. With an estimated $145.8 million, Avengers Endgame came up just a bit shy of the record $149.2 million second weekend for Star Wars The Force Awakens. But this may be an example of Disney being just a bit cautious. Tomorrow, that's today, will reveal the film was able to top the record mark set by Force Awakens uh, once weekend actuals are released, but even without that record, Endgame has now grossed nearly $620 million here in the States. $620 million here in the U.S. Uh, theaters. Just how high it will climb remains difficult to nail down right now, but a domestic gross topping $900 million seems like an extreme possibility now internationally in game added over 282 million dollars for an overseas cum 
that now stands at $1.569 billion and a global total reaching $2.18 billion, making it the second largest global release of all time trailing Avatar by only $600 million. As for that total, Endgame topped $2 billion worldwide in its 11th day of release, a total that Avatar took 47 days to reach. 11 days for the Avengers, 47 days for Avatar. Endgame's top international market remains China, where the film has now grossed over $575 million, followed by the U.K. at nearly 90 million, Korea 82.1, Mexico 61.6, Brazil 56.3, India 51.8, Germany 47.4, Australia uh, 46.2, France 43.1, Japan 34.4, Indonesia 30.9, Italy 29, the Philippines 28.7 mil, Spain, 24.9 million. Hong Kong, 23.1. Taiwan, 22.5. And Thailand, 22.5. Not included in those numbers is the film's $32.6 million seven-day opening in Russia, where it began playing on Monday and has already become the sixth largest release in that market of all time. So that's what things are looking like now. So uh, internationally, Longshot opened in 22 markets with an estimated 3.3 million. Here domestically, it did 10 million, so a total of 13.3, with the UK leading the way with an estimated $1 million ranking number two in the market. Looking ahead, the film uh, still has to open in France, Belgium, and Spain in two weeks, followed by releases in Finland, Netherlands, Brazil, Germany, Russia, and South Korea. So that's uh, the Charisse uh, Theron. Looks like it, it's going to do okay, but it ain't nothing like, uh, you know, her uh, Atomic Blonde or Mad Max movies, just so you know. And then after this weekend, sorry, I, th- I think it's this, it's this weekend, isn't it, that... Uh, that uh, John Wick three opens. I think that's this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I hadn't. I didn't look. Let me take a look real quick. See if I can come up with that. Let's see release schedule, and the word is on the. What we got here? Uh, no, it is not this weekend. It's next weekend. This weekend, the hustle. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Palms. And uh, one that I want to see, Tolkien, uh, is opening. Then on the 17th, it's John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, that you have uh, opening up, and A Dog's Journey will be opening. Uh, Coming up on the 24th, we have Ad Astra, Aladdin, Booksmart, and one that's got me just very interested, Bright Burn. So we'll see how how uh, that does. All right, let's get a, a break and come back, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, 
the Mueller report, talk about Barr, and get ready for uh, to be joined by Robert Steinbach. He's supposed to be here any moment now on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. I'm uh, checking on some information that Russ just sent me. Uh, we're heading down to New Orleans over the uh, Memorial Day weekend. I'm going to go to the World War II Museum during the Memorial Day weekend. That should be very cool there to go to that Sir D-Day Museum. And I've heard so many great things about it, and I want to go and spend about half a day at it. Have you been to it now, Russ? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Yeah, I got to go check it out. I've heard just that the that the video uh, presentations are superb, and uh, all of the stuff that they have there in the museum is really something that you want to see. And I, uh, you know, the war in Europe was one that uh, I've always been interested in. Although I'm very interested in what happened in the Pacific as well. Now that I when I was in the in the military, in the Air Force, was stationed on Guam uh, along the Marianas Hop uh, that occurred. And I've been to Saipan, and I've been to Iwo, and I've been to some others. And uh, it's really an amazing, amazing uh, place to go. And the Philippines, of course, are interesting places to look. And uh, the, the war there uh, in Guam was, uh, of course, interesting. It took... Two years they had time to dig in. It was tough, tough fighting. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to heading to that museum and, and, and seeing it. Now, if you've been uh, over uh, to New Orleans, uh, you know, we're going to go to Emerald's, uh, his uh, NOLA restaurant, and, and check it out. He's got two other restaurants in New Orleans as well. Now I want to go back to Vegas so that I can go to his fish restaurant there. I want to check that out because I love me some fish, and I'd like to see what Emerald's done to it and what he's made made out of the recipes uh, there at his uh, restaurant. But we're going to see. We went to. Go to we that. started out. We started our Emerald's tour at the uh, at, at uh, Orlando at the Universal restaurant there, and that okay. was on our honeymoon. Then a couple of years ago, we went down to New Orleans and, and ended up at at NOLA uh-huh. and have eaten there. I, I didn't see on his restaurant page the uh, Orlando site anymore. So well, Maybe they uh, shuttered it. I don't know. It's possible. He ran into a rough patch there, I guess, about six or seven years ago, and he was... Uh, uh, it was kind of tough for him, but he's brought back all these other restaurants, I know. But I went to the Emerald one uh, in Vegas, and it was more of a of a steakhouse. Uh, I went to the, um, oh, what is it, the the big meeting they got there for the, the Libertarians, uh, the Freedom one. And oh, I, Freedom Fest. Yeah, Freedom Fest. And I, I ate at Emerald's and. Uh, the food was really good. I mean, I had steak. Can't beat a steak. And let me tell you, the man knows how to cook steak. <laughs> There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, and the one we ate at it in, in Orlando was pretty much a steakhouse, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had other things other than steak, but it, that's pretty much what it was. Whereas NOLA, it's it's Creole, it's Cajun. It's the things that you expect to find down in New Orleans. Okay, well, I'll find out even more about it. Uh, as we uh, check things out there 
in uh, New Orleans when we head down there during the during the wonderful world of of uh, Memorial Day weekend. We have that twenty seventh that Monday off, and I think I'm gonna take twenty fourth off, make it a four day weekend, leave early on uh, that Friday, and drive on down to New Orleans and uh, spend that evening. Maybe head out to Bourbon Street, check it out, see what's going down. Heard that they've cleaned it up a lot since the, the last time I was there. Last time I was there was about eight years ago. Been a while. Been a while for me. And they're and they're trying to just make it more of a family uh, place to go. So we'll just have to see how that is. I, I would think the Mardi Gras would still not be family friendly. But while there, I'm, I'm thinking about going down to the big uh, warehouse where they they keep all of the Mardi Gras uh, floats and everything. You can go to that and take a tour of it and get up close to them and check them out. Uh, if you've been down to New Orleans, what are some other things that I might want to check out? You know, we'll get the beignets and all of that. Got to do that. Can't can't go to New Orleans and not have a a fresh a fresh beignet. You gotta you gotta do that. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Taking a look at. Uh, story that's uh, going and being taught about now is uh, dealing with uh, bar and uh, kind of trying to oh I know something that I should mention did you watch the Kentucky Derby did you did you watch it then you know that the winner was disqualified which I thought was uh, really, really interesting. Kentucky Derby betters paid a hefty price when officials opted to disqualify the race winner maximum security for interfering with the path of another horse. And uh, gamblers placed wagers totally more than $6.2 million on maximum security to win the race as well as a further one and a half million on the horse to place or finish second, roughly one point three million to show. So let's see, that's another two point eight. So ten million dollars was a bet on maximum security. That's according to Twin Spires, the online betting partner for Churchill Downs. As a result, the outright disqualification cost betters at least nine million dollars. Twin Spires said it would. Refund up to $10 to bettors who place bets on maximum security. Aside from value of the bets themselves, total winnings on maximum security would have amounted to $42 million and potentially much higher, according to the Action Network. Maximum security's disqualification was the first of its kind in Kentucky Derby history. As a result, the horse was placed 17th in Country House, a 65 to 1 long shot was named the winning horse. Maximum Security's owner, Gary West, has vowed to appeal the decision and said the horse would not participate in the upcoming Preakness Stakes. Winning it was the most euphoric thing I have probably ever had in our lives and disappointment when they took the horse down for the first time in history. We were stunned, shocked, and in total disbelief. It had never, ever been done before. So he's. I want. What happens now if they go back in and they 
and uh, the owners of Maximum Security win. And now suddenly Maximum Security is a winner. That, oh, you talk about a nightmare. That sounds like a huge nightmare, does it not? All right, looking at uh, the the Dow Jones right now, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down about uh, 11%, the 26,476. The reason it's down is because of what uh, uh, the president had to say about uh, the tariffs with China and that they were going to challenge and maybe um, continue to keep tariffs in place. In fact, maybe have more tariffs that they put in. The NASDAQ is down about a half point, S&P 500 about a third, and oil is up a dollar 42 cents to $62.82 a barrel. And uh, that's not good. That means prices at the pump not going to be falling anytime soon. Keep that one in mind uh, as as well. All right. So now you got the, the whole thing about the Kentucky Derby ready also. All right. So I had an looking for the interesting story I had about um, it's going to be interesting to see if Michael Barr the Attorney General is going to be held in contempt and I don't know how they're going to do this they're saying they want uh, the House uh, you know, committee wants a unredacted copy of the report And I do not believe they can literally, that the Attorney General can literally give an unredacted copy of that report to anybody. Some of it has to be redacted because of its national security or somebody's not really involved in something, but they came up in their investigation. They have to redact that stuff. I'd just like to know if their uh, most closest of Ken were on the grand jury sitting there when all of this went through and that information was not redacted out of their their personal information was not redacted and the whole world got to see that person's personal information yeah. because it was not redacted out of that. I wonder how they feel after that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. What can I tell you? Very, I think of the worst things about this. You know, there's, there is so this continues to be something that keeps on giving, and it doesn't make the Democrats look good in any way, shape, or form. You'd think that they would say, you know, let, let it go, but they just can't let it go. They thought Mueller was going to say that Trump was guilty of sin, and he did not say that. That would be interesting. He followed what he was instructed to follow as far as his investigation, and he couldn't find anything in the scope of his investigation. No, no collusion. That wasn't there. And really, I don't see how he could say, well, you all figure out if there was obstruction. If there's no crime, how can you be obstructing anything? That's the way I feel about it. All right. Have you ever wondered how do other people get away with paying fewer taxes than everyone else? Well, learn the little known strategies that could help you save tens of thousands of dollars 
in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. Comes from David Lucas of the David Lucas Financial Company and the uh, David Lucas Show that you hear right here every Saturday at 10 and 3 at 101.1 FM. The answer. This free analysis will reveal the little-known strategies and loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401k, Social Security benefits, and more. To get your free analysis, be one of the first 10 callers now at 501-653-6690. So this is your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement. So let me give you that number a couple more times so you'll have it. 501-653-6690. That's 501-653-6690. All right, we should be seeing Robert Steinbach join us in a few moments. He sent me a story that we'll talk about that just blew my mind. de Blasio says now he might run for president, mayor of New York. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when uh, Robert gets here, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, doing our thing here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to remind you about Allstate. Allstate, uh, of course, Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency over in Sherwood. Uh, they do cars. They do boats. They do anything that you're going to be able to get insurance on. They do it as well. Uh, May is Motorcycle Awareness Month, so if you're looking for some great coverage or great rates for your bike, get what you need at Dwayne Smith with Allstate Insurance. They understand all about owning the uh, motorcycles because they ride them. I mean, Dwayne rides a motorcycle all the time. It's always better to buy motorcycle insurance from someone that rides one, so call them today. 501-819-0373, 501-819-0373. 501-819-0373, and let uh, the team give you a quote on your insurance. They can offer you options for a wide variety of coverages and service on your home, auto, motorcycle, ATF, ATV, pardon me, boat, and much more. And also know that May is National Military Appreciation Month. And the uh, Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency has over 30 years of military experience. And they love our military men and women. They want to help you. So stop in and let them tell you how much they appreciate your service and show you how much money they can save you. Again, call Dwayne Smith with Allstate uh, Insurance, the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency, at 501-819-0373. Set up a time you can sit down and compare and see how much they can save you, or just stop by 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood uh, today. That's all you have to do. It's that simple. It is not rocket scientists to get a good price on your car insurance, your motorcycle insurance, your boat insurance, your ATV insurance, and all other kinds of insurance, even life insurance. You can get that. Uh, as uh, as well. I had a story. Let me get to that. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Aerial winter. That's not it. I'm looking. There was a story I had. 
Israeli ambassador to the U.N. says that Iran is sponsoring the terrorism in the Middle East. What a big surprise. They've been a provocateur for a long, long time. Israel's ambassador to the U.N. said today that Iran is sponsoring terrorism in the Middle East. Look, they've been involved with Hezbollah and with uh, other terrorist organizations you know, going back to when the Shah was overthrown. Quote, when we hear the words coming from Tehran threatening the U.S., threatening Israel, it shows that they're panicking because the sanctions are working. And according to Ambassador Danny Dannon, uh, he was on uh, Fox News today. But we are committed, Dannon said, we are committed to fighting terrorism, to fighting the proxies of Iran in our region. He condemned Gaza's ruling Hamas militant group, saying it is responsible for instability and violence in the area. Hamas is using the funds that they get from the international community to dig tunnels and to produce rockets against Israel, Dannon said, adding that the militant group is causing suffering for Palestinians. Israel and Hamas are bitter enemies and have fought three wars and numerous smaller battles since the militant group seized Gaza from Western-backed Palestinian forces in 2007. In the latest fighting, which erupted over the weekend, Palestinian militants fired hundreds of rockets into Israel while the uh, Israel military responded with airstrikes on some 350 militant targets inside Gaza, including weapon storage, attack tunnels and rocket launching and production facilities. Dannon expressed gratitude for support from the Trump administration, but he assailed European officials. Quoting Dannon, European countries called on us to show restraint. What do they expect from us? If, God forbid, you would have hundreds of rockets flying into a European capital, What would have been their reaction? The intense fighting over the past two days came to a halt early today, and residents on both sides were back to their daily routines. Weekend warriors, that's just a bizarre way of living your life, to say the least. Schools and roads had been closed. Israelis had been urged to remain indoors and near bomb shelters. As intense rocket fire pounded the area, the Israeli military lifted protective restrictions on residents in the south today while Gaza's ruling Hamas militant group reported a ceasefire deal had been reached to end the deadliest fighting between the two sides since 2014. The escalation in recent days killed 25 on the Gaza side both militants and civilians, while on the Israeli side, four civilians were killed by incoming fire. The Jihad militant group, which Israel accused of instigating the latest violence, confirmed that a mutual concurrent truce had been brokered by Egypt. Hamas spokesman Hazem Qassam said Egyptian mediators, along with officials from Qatar, and the U.N. helped reach the gate, uh, the deal. He said Hamas could still use different pressuring tools to uh, get Israel to ease a crippling blockade 
of Gaza. Well, there you got it. Not not a whole lot uh, changing there. They're um, at each other, and I don't foresee that ever stopping, to say to say the least. Uh, you know, you read stories, and it like it's like I can't believe, I cannot believe this. A Kentucky man has been charged with murder for fatally punching his one-year-old son in the head after becoming angry after losing a video game, authorities said. Anthony Trice, 26, was watching the baby Friday when he grew enraged over losing the game threw his controller and struck the infant in the head, according to a spokesman from the uh, Louisville Metro Police Department. Thrice tried to comfort the baby, carrying him into the kitchen, but dropped him. Louisville station WAVE reported. He reportedly gave his son a bottle before he noticed the infant was in distress and called 911. The baby was initially listed in serious condition at a hospital but died of its injuries two days later. Trice was facing charges of criminal abuse, first degree of a child, but the charges were upgraded to murder after the child died. His bond was raised to a million bucks cash after a court appearance this morning. Evidently, what we're doing to punish these kinds of people is not working. If it was working, there would be less of it. And and don't tell me what we need is more anger management uh, classes and things of that nature. There is something inherently mentally deficient in a person who takes a one-year-old child and punches them in the head because they have lost a video game. It, It seems to me that this is a person that needs to be taken out of the gene pool. We need to put a little bit of, uh, a little bit more Clorox bleach in to keep this kind of person from taking somebody and and killing them. It's just, just it's unconscionable. It is, to me, uh, I think it should be a death penalty offense, personally. That child couldn't defend itself, didn't have a chance, did not have any kind of chance whatsoever. And that's the only way you're going to protect, you know, that person from ever ever fathering more children. Get them out of the gene pool. At least that's the way I I I see it. You know, a lot of people think that that I uh, I they'll tell me, Dave, you go too far. Don't you think that somebody that punches a child in the head and it kills the child? has gone too far. 
I just, I don't get it. All right, uh, AOC was out. Socialist uh, embarrassed herself today after she tried to attack Rick Scott of uh, of Florida, Senator from Florida. She uh, went after his critical thinking abilities over a comment made by the uh, former governor, but was unable to understand that Scott was being sarcastic. Scott weighed in on Democrat presidential candidate Cory Booker, saying that he wanted to create a federal gun licensing system. Uh, the latest, uh, that's that's another terrible idea that has come out by uh, by the Democrats. And Scott texted uh, out, in fact, I'll take that back, wasn't a text. Uh, he says, uh, breaking the latest terrible idea to come out of the Democrats' 2020 primary is a federal gun registry. If you want to buy a gun, uh, Cory Booker wants you to register with the federal government. You can only buy, I think it's one a week now. This would be uh, scary if Booker had any chance of becoming president, which he doesn't. Political said it this way. Um, Senator Cory Booker is rolling out a sweeping gun control agenda that includes requiring licenses for all gun owners, as well as more standard procedures such as universal background checks and banning assault weapons. Last I heard, you got to have a very special license to go out and buy an assault weapon. An assault weapon is a weapon that shoots in full automatic. You got to you got to buy a very expensive government license to be able to have one or to sell one. Scott says, what's next? Will we have to register sharp knives? Maybe. AOC will make us register every time we buy meat as part of her Green New Deal. The Democrats are officially the Bernie Sanders party. They want America to be less prosperous and less free. Cortez responded by tweeting, that a sitting U.S. senator can say something lacking so much critical thinking plus honesty is embarrassing to the institution. If you were a female candidate, maybe you'd be called unlikable, crazy, or uninformed. But since you're not, this inadequacy is accepted as normal. Scott responded that a sitting congresswoman doesn't understand sarcasm would be embarrassing to the institution if you hadn't embarrassed yours to the point of it of irrelevance uh, and already America rejects social, uh, socialism and will continue to Scott's statement that America rejects socialism is accurate according to a new Monmouth University poll released today and here it is a majority of Americans say socialism is incompatible with American values and only 10% of voters in a new poll have a positive view of socialism. And The Hill reported saying that the poll found that 57% of voters believe that socialism is incompatible with American uh, values. Just something to to keep in mind uh, out there that only 57% find it incompatible to me is troubling. I don't know about you, but that's troubling to me. I would think that, you know, 90% of Americans would, would think that socialism, which has given us our newest victim in Venezuela, uh, to go along with Cuba, going along with Russia, going along with China, 
and uh, countless other countries uh, that uh, try to use socialist rules and it, it doesn't work for them. So bottom line is just got to be aware that, um, you know, I'm hoping that America quits making the slide towards socialism because that is what we've done. We've been doing it ever since uh, Wilson as president. We um, accentuated it under FDR and then accentuated it again under LBJ. So uh, these are things, that, and, and even Bush, the younger, of course, did it. I mean, he's the one that gave us the, the um, you know, the, donut hole and how to fill it and all the rest using government programs. So Dave Ellswick show a break and then we'll come back and finish up this hour. All right. We're back with you here on the Dave Ellswick show. And, uh, I was looking over and I just told that to ask me if I knew anybody in Pennsylvania. I don't, I was going to report on a story out of Pennsylvania, but I don't know anybody in Pennsylvania. And anyway, somebody tried to hack us evidently which makes us go through some different things to be able to log back on to the, uh, the Facebook and whatnot. So they're taking care of it, getting it done. Uh, students at Swarthmore college in Pennsylvania. We've heard about these people before announced that they're going to have a hunger strike after previously occupying the president's office and a fraternity. The students demand an apology for the university's treatment of protesters during the Thursday and Friday occupation of the president's office. They demanded the resignation of the campus's director of public safety and said four students at uh, Swarthmore and two individuals elsewhere will be, quote, refusing food until the college terminates its fraternity leases and in issues a commitment to create a reallocation process led by queer and trans students of color, specifically black and indigenous students. Students who occupied the president's office previously demanded a permanent ban on fraternities and reallocation of housing for marginalized groups, according to an op-ed in the Swarthmore Voices. Swarthmore's two fraternities, Five Psi and Delta Upsilon, previously announced decisions to disband following a sit-in in Phi Psi after the release of documents referencing jokes suggestive of sexual assault and remarks perceived as bigoted according to NPR. Redacted Phi Psi minutes dating from 2013 refer to women at one point as sluts, and describe one male slapping a female's rear end, according to the Swarthmore Phoenix. Minutes released by the Swarthmore Voices reference a rape tunnel and rape addict in the Delta Upsilon fraternity. After those fraternities disbanded, student activists subsequently sat in President Valerie Smith's office from Thursday morning to late afternoon on Friday, of course, they didn't want to try to stay there during the weekend. Didn't want to bother up uh, their partying that they'd be doing on the weekend. With KYWTV counting 10 protesters in the office and 50 in the hallway. 
As many of you know, I am now my mother's primary caregiver. I'm working from home today to help care for her because she cannot be left alone, said the president, Valerie Smith. She put that in an email to the campus community obtained by Campus Reform. I explained to the students by phone that I would speak with them in person if they all left my office, that I would meet with them in the Rose Garden, that I would have to bring her with me. The statement refused, the students refused my offer, she said, noting that they wanted to give her a letter but did not do so. Right now, there are serious safety concerns in Parish Hall, and the students are in clear violation of our policies. I am willing to meet with them after my office has been vacated. The group leading the protest, Organizing for Survivors, O4S, wrote on Facebook that it wished to physically demonstrate the gravity of Smith's upcoming decision regarding fraternities and to hold President Smith and the college accountable to us, students harmed by fraternities and the violence of fraternity members. Eleven protesters wrote a statement in voices demanding that Smith decide to have the fraternities permanently banned from campus, to have their leases formally terminated, and notably to initiate a formal process of reallocation promised such that both the re-envisioning and the uh, reallocation of the houses are led by and for queer and trans community members of color, in particular black and indigenous students, the students historically most marginalized by this institution. Students wrote in their statement that the decision to call the police an institution of state violence specifically targeted at brown and black people of color represented a betrayal of Swarthmore's Quaker values. Let them sit there and not eat. That's what I would do. Don't let them use bite. Don't let them use bite. Don't let them deliver any food or anything there. Turn off the water fountains and everything. Let them let them starve. They're going to do it that way. It's against the rules what they're doing. Anyway, you've been watching too many 60s movies. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. A break. Back with you. Robert Steinbach will be here. All right, let's move into the uh, 4 o'clock hour. Brenda and Joe are going to join us up from northwest uh, Arkansas during this uh, hour. We have a uh, guest coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, also here right now, we have none other than the legal professor, the man that knows more about uh, the Supreme Court than I do, which is not a lot. (laughs) Robert Steinbach is here, and uh, Robert, of course, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of UALR or the Bowen School of Law. And first of all, let me say hi to our our two friends up in Northwest Arkansas, that would be Brenda, and that would be Joe. And I want to I want to start off with a story. You guys are going to – I want to see if I can start you off laughing here. Are you ready? You ready? Ready. All right. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio flirting with a White House run has generated virtually no interest among voters. What a big surprise. No surprise. One national poll in March found that he was the only Democratic candidate with a net negative approval rating, though fewer than half of those polls even had any opinion of him at all. 
but his uh, potential candidacy has caught the attention of people who do business with the city. They've been donating to the mayor's presidential political action committee. The uh, federal fairness pack his latest vehicle for raising money from powerful interests. Mr. De Blasio's lowly showing in the polls didn't, for example, dissuade. And I'm not making this name up. All right, this is a real name, John F. Fish, the uh, chief executive of Suffolk. Construction, which is a Boston-based company, from hosting a fundraiser last month for the mayor's pack. So let me start, if you'll all allow me, with Robert. Robert, you've lived in New York, not in New York City proper. but in, I lived in, in New, New York, York City okay. proper, just not under de Blasio, because I had long since left. You know, I've actually uh, sort of thought about it recently. I've lived in Arkansas now longer as an adult than I have anywhere else, but... Nonetheless, I'm still quite aware of what's going on in New York, and I'm quite aware of de Blasio, and he's just... He's your favorite socialist, Oh, my he? gosh. You know, it's like asking me who's my favorite Nazi, you know? <laughs> uh, and and this guy is just such a piece of work. First of all, the New York Times article is so on point because it makes clear that de Blasio is at least in part running for president so that he can start his pack, so that he can... Uh, raise money for himself, uh, that he can uh, increase his profile, right? Because if you create a PAC that supports you uh, and then it runs commercials, uh, you can use it for anything. He can't run for for uh, mayor again. He's now term limited out. Thank goodness for the people of New York. But this guy is so awful. He's He's hectoring and whining and just pathetic. And... He lives in this bubble, like so many politicians do, mind you, uh, that he's unaware of what the rest of the country, and I dare say many New Yorkers as well, think of him. And it's not good. It sort of reminds me, I don't know if you heard that um, uh, Joe Biden made a uh, yet another sort of foible, and he uh, referred uh, to Theresa May as, um, of course, the famous uh, first female a prime minister uh, whose name you're going to have to help me, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> uh, and then he said, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And, uh, you know, she's obviously passed. Uh, uh, yeah, she died in 2013. Right, exactly. <laughs> but it, I think of um, Joe Biden somewhat similarly, although I have respect for Joe Biden in all, in all fairness. Uh, but I think of Joe Biden's political career as I think of de Blasio more generally, which is uh, nobody told Joe Biden that his political career died in 2013, Mm -hmm. but it did. And nobody told de Blasio that he actually died 10 years ago, Uh, (laughs) but he has. So that's kind of my opinion. Yeah. But with that that said, did you you guys hear this story about about Biden and what he said over the weekend? I'm just kind of in shock that it sounded like to me you're describing all 22 other Democrat candidates when you describe this mayor, you know? Did you get all of them in the 2200? I'm not sure. I will will say this, though. All the other candidates have at least some positive numbers for them. De Blasio is the only Democratic candidate that has a negative, negative polling number. In other words... People hate him. 
Well, but but that's my that's my confusion. When you describe the reasons they hate him, it sounds like you're describing the other candidates. So, I mean, where is he different than them? Oh, he's just so crooked. I mean, I, that's the big thing. Is that not basically what it is? He's just so corrupt, Robert. He's absolutely right. And this is one of the problems with these kind of local mayor types, uh, albeit New York City's uh, the biggest city there is. Uh, but there's you know, uh, legislators, that sort. Well, it, you know, it, it's all a spectrum. Uh, but you get these local mayors and they are so self-important because he runs a big machine. A big, corrupt machine. And people tell him yes all the time. Now, the New York City cops did a good job of telling him no and thumbed their noses at him. And he was quite uh, taken aback by that, saying, well, they work for me. Excuse me. You're an elected official. They don't have to support you. They have to take your orders. They don't have to support you. And so when they literally turned their backs on him when he appeared somewhere, he was very much taken aback. No pun intended. And uh, he's he's just not respected. That's the thing. He won because Democrats win in New York City. Giuliani was the exception. Mayor Koch uh, was a Democrat who also uh, at one point ran on both a Democratic and Republican ticket. But pure Republicans don't win in New York City. Uh, And so that's why he won. He he won the primary uh, because, of course, in primaries, who wins? The leftists. He won the primary and then he wins a general. Uh, But he's absolutely awful. And he has done nothing impressive. You know, one of his big things now is that he's very upset that a couple of the essentially charter schools, public charter schools, I don't know what they call them there, but they've been around for at least 50 years. These are not new creations. Uh, And they have a math and science school and a couple of like, they're, they're tremendous. And apparently they don't have enough minorities going to those schools for his liking. Well, you have to take a test to get into the school. Okay. So whatever the numbers are, the numbers are. Yes. But this is right. This is part of this leftist movement. But that, Mer- doesn't, that doesn't mean anything exactly. to a leftist. Exactly. Facts and figures mean That's nothing. Right. That's right. There's no. You know what merit is? Merit is an equal distribution according to uh, racial profiles. I, I heard someone say recently, you'll love this, uh, Brenda and Joe. They said, well, uh, we need to have at least... Uh, uh, the representation in the population of uh, uh, blacks, uh, she was referring to, uh, in law schools. And then she said, but if it's more, even better. But, <laughs> but, but wait a second, if it's more, then somebody else's representation in the population will be decreased. That's right. But I guess... That doesn't matter. I guess there's one group it doesn't matter for. That's right. There's one group it's it doesn't absolutely. matter for. Yeah, yeah so. th- this is crazy. I mean, you've been writing about this for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and how it's detrimental to people, not helping people, because these folks get into law school, they go through the classes, and then they get out, and they can't pass the bar. The bar pass rate, or the bar failure rate, roughly double for some of these minority groups that they let in uh, across the country uh, with lower metrics. Joe and Brenda, do you guys do anything on this type of issue? This, uh, you know, it's kind of a overlap between economic and social uh, on the conservative spectrum, uh, because of course the left tries to, to cast this as a social issue, and that oh, this is equality, etc. 
And of course, it's a quality of outcome, not a quality of opportunity. And it winds up uh, disenfranchising the very people that it's intended to help. Do you guys do any work on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's called promoting social, uh, capitalism. Fair enough. There you go. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's the well, the well, tragedy. What, tend to think it, uh, what is what is you tend to think of as good for people is good for all people. Mm-hmm. And it is like you say, it's uh, equivalence of opportunity, not assurance of outcome that we're after. The assurance of outcome types are the biggest racists there are and homophobes or whatever they are, whatever you're measuring, if you're measuring strictly by outcome, then you're the, you have the phobia of the, you know, of the subject. Yeah, exactly. You know, it it doesn't mean anything if we've determined already what the outcome is, right? There's no, why bother working hard? Why bother achieving? And that's on on the one side in terms of motivation. And And the flip side is, why go to try to get a good attorney or, or a good doctor or whatever? Because it's just random, right? The, the, essentially, when the left decides that merit has no value, which is the implication of their outcome determinative policies, then you just pick out of a hat. Well, you know what? I like to pick a good doctor. And I don't care if he's white, black. Asian, Hispanic, or any of the other categories. Um, in fact, uh, come to think of it, my mother had a, a doctor over the years, one, uh, uh, two different, well, three different surgeons, one of whom I wasn't impressed with, uh, and he actually was a white male, the one I was not impressed with. Uh, the one I was most impressed with uh, was an uh, Asian male, and the one that I was impressed with in the, in the middle was a, a, a female, I think Hispanic, in fact. Uh, but you know what? We didn't care. We didn't care what the skin color was. Right. We cared how qualified, how able, how capable, the merit of these individuals were. And, I, and by the way, I'm not talking moral merit. I'm talking skill. That's what you look for in a surgeon, skill. Um, well, well I, I, I do want to interject here my outrage with the underrepresentation of, of Hispanic females in the NBA. Yeah, well, you know, you raise a, 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 an absolutely legitimate point, right? When it comes, this sports are sort of the last vestige of pure merit determinations. And then when you say that to the left, you know what they call you, Joe? They call you racist. Ah, oh, you're racist. Why? Because I'm referencing sports. How does it make me a racist? Well, I mean, if, well, you, if you pay attention to the alphabet people, they're they're saying, "Hey, I'm a female," and now females are becoming, you know, defeated by people who say they're female who are really males, and that's supposed to be okay. And so women, you know, even though they fought for equality and, you know, the, to penetrate the glass ceiling or whatever, and what are we doing? We're letting men in our restaurant. I mean, come on, under some label of the alphabet. Well, well, I think women fighting for equality are fighting for a step down. If they want to be equal to men, that's that's going backwards for them. If I if I was to say, well, talk about you know healthcare and choosing your doctor, and the, I, I don't know how many people would have 
watched Mark Levin last night, but uh, Sally Pipes, a person who is uh, uh, teaches, writes a lot about our health care system and saying, you know, we don't want to go to a single-payer system, explaining very carefully what that is. And I heard Levin use the term uh, redistribution of authority. And, you know, when we can't choose our own doctor and you can't choose a doctor because he's better than another, as a matter of fact, you don't choose at all. The government's going to tell us what doctor we can get in line and see when we... Yeah, just like public schools. I I mean, exactly. I mean, this country better wake up because the fact that we're having a strong conversation on single payer um, and we're just acting like, oh, well, just another day, maybe that's okay. uh, We're in trouble, folks. Absolutely. And and can I just echo a point that you touched on, Brenda, which is it's just travesty that's going on right now. I am the most, uh, and the most, that's not true, but I'm a pretty open guy, meaning uh, I, 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 Dave and I have long discussed and debated, for example, gay marriage. And I, I have made the conservative point that it doesn't make you a homophobe or some other name they want to call you to say that you're against the policy of gay marriage. But I've always said on the radio, and Dave, of course, has agreed, we must treat everyone with respect. And from time to time, you hear in the gay marriage debate some uh, belittling. Only from time to time, I believe. Uh, but you always have to treat everybody with respect. I would happily, and ha- I have happily gone to the home of gay cu- gay couples and no gay people and and uh, befriend them uh, as if anyone else without a distinction um but the legal consequences there are questions about and it's the overreach that i think people on the con- conservatives people on the right are are concerned about and this nonsense that's taking place now where you have biological males am i allowed to say that dave biological males who um, decide that they want to be female, and by and this is sort of my lead up was was getting to, which is fine. Decide whatever you want. They decide they want to be female, and they compete in women's competition. Sorry, you can decide whatever you want. That means you can go to the mall and walk around however you want to walk around. Uh, but here are some things I think you can't do. You can't go into the the shower and the bathroom with my 12-year-old daughter. I don't mm-hmm. have one, but you understand my sure. point. Uh, and you can't compete in women's sports uh, when you're a biological male. Yeah, there was just a story about this. I forget what state it was in. Uh, a young man who identifies, I hate even doing this, identified as a female set all new records, state records, for weightlifting as he was lifting against women. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like saying, hey, let's have a competition, a female competition, who can grow the biggest beard. You know, it's, it's of course <laughs> the man wins in the weightlifting. Uh, several years ago, I did a very nice woman who was a competitive runner, long-distance runner, and she ran in, in some marathon and did very well. And I said, and I knew nothing about this stuff. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, is that against everyone? The men? And she goes, no. She goes, the men can't compete against the women because the yet. T- well, right. But her point was, she would she would come in a hundred instead of ten or whatever uh, if she had to compete against the men due to biological differences. Now, let's be clear. She would beat me in a marathon ten times over because I'm not a marathon runner. But the top marathon runners, uh, men, beat the top female marathon runners all the time. That's just biology. And that's why we still, to this day, have separate 
races, uh, you know, running races uh, for men and women. We have separate showers for men and women. We have separate bathrooms for men and women. That is something that we in society recognize and accept. And I'll tell you this. One of the reasons that Hillary lost was because Obama decided he was going to cram down our throats beliefs that we don't hold. They, they sent around this letter basically saying, guess what? Uh, anyone can go into any bathroom shower at the school that they want to. You can't even create a separate one for those that identify as transgender. All right. We got to take a break. Let's do that. Joe and Brenda are here. We're going to talk a little bit about corporatism with them for sure. We've got uh, Robert Steinbach with us as well. I need to remind you about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. They will take a totaled car, find the parts that still work in it, test them, make sure that they're right up to snuff, and then they'll sell them back to you if you've got a car that you need a motor in and they've got the motor. They'll sell you one from a a total lost vehicle that's going to save you thousands of dollars off of buying an OEM brand new one. Uh, It's what Sonny's does, and they do, do it well. Every part guaranteed comes with a standard warranty. One, two, and three-year warranties on all parts and even labor because they'll put it in for you if you want them to. All you have to do to make it happen is call 982-7451, 982-7451, and talk with Sonny's Auto Salvage. All right, about 35 seconds before news, then we'll get back with Brenda and Joe and as well with Robert Steinbach. I want to talk with uh, Brenda and Joe about the un holy alliance sometimes between business and politics and uh, corporatism you know that that corporatism has done more to cause problems with capitalism than uh, anything else because the two words are closely kind of related and people don't understand what a corporatist is and what a capitalist is we'll try to clear that up for you when we come back but right now Catch up on the news on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, several guests with us today in studio is, of course, Robert Steinbach. He joins me uh, each Monday. He's been delving out grades from finals last week and is trying to to uh, get the the university to accept his grades. And he told me that they had a different metric. And I said, well, I just tell the kid got a B plus. And that's my metric. Now, stuff it up your metric. <laughs> he said he couldn't do that. Anyway, <laughs> Brenda and Joe are also here. They're from Northwest Arkansas. Of course, conduitnews.com, conduitnews.com. So, Brenda, tell you sent me a story from, I guess, the Sunday edition of the uh, Demgas, because I didn't see that story Saturday. So you tell me. Did the Demgas actually write a story about what corporatism was, and did they tell us why it's different from capitalism? No, this was actually in Sunday's business and farm section of the okay. Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Okay. And it was a story from the Associated Press. But it was talking about um, a dispute, you know, car raising, uh, car sharing, sort of like uh, Airbnb, where people are leasing out their cars. You know, you buy a nice Mercedes and you lease it out to people who are in town uh, for a holiday or whatever, and it helps you with your car payment. And it's talking about that in the article. And then the uh, companies like Enterprise and the different rental companies are hollering foul 
claiming that these individuals doing this are going to put poor mom and pop shops, poor mom and pop rental car dealerships out of business. So they need to stop it. Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, corporatism, though, is still alive and well is what it looked like in that couple of the paragraphs that I I, I read. Is that not true? Well, what makes it so interesting is when you read the page two of the article, which talks about how these bills are, have been like 30 different states, you know, tax increasing taxes on rental cars, even for individuals who are leasing out their car, even though they have to pay sales tax on the purchase of their car, where the rental companies do not char- uh, pay sales tax to the state when they purchase the car. At any rate, uh, about 30 states, various states are looking at passing taxes, you know, increasing taxes on these individuals who are leasing out their car. Um, And it's interesting to read where Republican legislators in these various states have said, yeah, we need to to impose that tax. And, you know, siding with the lobbyists for Enterprise and the different rental companies is very mindful of what we are experiencing here in Arkansas. It's like the internet tax. The Republican legislatures have to just, if they would just sit on their hands the free market would reduce the size of government necessarily. And then they would have no blame and they would have no action needed. Uh, And to to get to your other point about corporatism, you know, I think the difference could be best illustrated by saying any big entity or organism tends to want to preserve its place and then grow. And if corporations are no different, governments no different. Uh, a corporation puts its own interests above all other enterprise, uh, uh, you know, competition, things like that, and that's corporatism. You know, you've got Walmart going into the red meat business now, uh, doing some vertical integration, where they're cutting out the people, you know, ahead of them in line and behind them in line, so that they don't have any suppliers. But, you know, these are that's a corporate strategy, and I'm not saying it's a bad strategy or that there's anything wrong with it. But corporations are not necessarily geared towards public good. They do provide public good by providing jobs and and expanding economies and things like that, innovation and so forth. But their job is not the public good. So that's, that's where, you know, there's a line that they cross where it's bad for the public but good for the corporation. And, you know, Walmart has crossed that line as they get into government and, and try to impose their power through campaign support, chambers of commerce, things like that. Uh, you know, they try to affect public policy for their personal gain. To l- eliminate the competition. To eliminate, yeah, barriers to entry, things like that. And that, that's, that's corporatism uh, in a negative sense. But capitalism... Yeah, capitalism just, hey, we're going to do the best we can, service the customers, provide the best product possible, continually cut costs, and and outperform our competitors. Now, that's capitalism. And that's the small business guy, the large company. It can be Chick-fil-A. Right. You know, Chick-fil-A's not out here trying to change public policy. They're trying to defend their policy, their rights. But, you know, there, there's a, a, a difference. You've got, you know, a, a big tech company like Facebook or something that they're going to be, cor- they're corporatists. And you've got a Chick-fil-A or a small business that's 
you know, got a shoe shop on the corner, got one location, and the dad and the son both worked there. That's capitalism. You guys taught me very well, I mean this sincerely, uh, a, a very important point, and that is that large corporations, many, not all, often prefer over-regulation because they're not concerned about the the quality of the regulation. They're concerned about the barriers to entrance for competition. And those preferences for regulation to keep competitors out, those are bad. Those are anti-capitalist. Those are anti-consumer. They are are socialist. That's exactly right. If you look at Europe, the, the model in Europe is that the elites divide up the economy and okay airbus you're going to be our only airplane manufacturer uh you know that it, and that's multi multi uh, country of course but you've got one industry allowed to dominate by government policy and then they uh, in, in turn support government and, and it's just a whole incestuous relationship and that's what socialism becomes at its very very best Years ago, I heard the, the president, the former president of, I think, American Airlines, Robert something, I can't remember his last name, uh, and he was being interviewed, and he was bemoaning how deregulation of the airline industry made it so difficult. It was bad for the consumer, bad for the consumer because they got more choices and cheaper prices. Obviously, I'm mocking him because he was a buffoon, uh, but he, it was good for American Airlines because it kept out of the competition. American Airlines hates Southwest. Why? Because Southwest undercut American Airlines pricing. And they would offer flights to places that American wouldn't go. And they told you, well, you need to go to the big airport and drive from it. And Southwest says, well, we'll go there. And American didn't like that at all. There's nothing pro-consumer pro-public about that kind of regulation. And thank goodness for the deregulation of the airline industry, I believe under Jimmy Carter, no less. Well, I think that that could be said for government as well, that the same model applies. The government does not want a competitor to schools. Oh, yeah, that's right. It does not, it does not want a competitor to health care. So it must, it must seize you know, full control of these industries you know, I mean, look at the DMV or the VA. You know, there are pockets of good performers, but there's no other options for consumers to vote with their feet. Well, that's exactly right. You know, the reason when you go into a restaurant or you go into a store and they treat you nicely, it's not because they're your buddy. They treat you nicely, and it's not because they're good people or bad people. They may be perfectly nice people, but... The reason stores treat you nicely is because it's within their self-interest to treat you nicely. Now, if you're a nice person, it's easy to do. But if you're not a nice person, you still do it if you want to stay in business. And the problem yeah, with gov- yeah, and if you, the problem with government bureaucracy is there's often no competition. So what happens if they don't treat you nicely? Nothing. No, they force everybody who's competition out of competition. Yeah, that, and that was Joe's yeah, yeah. point. I yeah, mean, if you call them out on it in the government, then they call the police because you're disrupting. What do you think? What's everybody think that the government's trying to do is they talk about single payer. Single payer is there nobody competes with the government. The government is everything. Well, I think the communists, uh, the Marxists and all realized that many, many, many years ago, that if you get a hold of the health care system, you've got the people in, no. in the education system. One of Ronald Reagan's early warnings. 
Well, it was even before that in the early. But I'm not talking about his presidency. I'm talking about when he was doing the the talks for General Electric. And that was early 20th century. Right. I mean, this came out with Woodrow Wilson right. and those people. But uh, anyway, you you were talking earlier, Dave, about uh, 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 preparing grades for the for the school, right, Robert? Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. Robert's doing I right was, now. I, I'm I'm just doing a little we're mechanics as we talk. We're doing something very similar right now. We're we're putting the final touches on our scorecard. All right, terrific. Will that it be, ne- be a, a next week? A week or so. All right, yeah, we're sure. looking forward to it. Be sure and go to Conduit uh, for Action today. An article came out talking about scoring committee votes because we got lots of hate last time for scoring committee votes, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Well, it was just very little hate, but it was loud from a few. <laughs> you know, let me say well, this yeah. about Conduit's scorecard, and I like. And let me start off by saying I like Conduit's scorecard. Look, every. And and I want to analogize it. You know, in law schools, universities, we have the U.S. News World Report does rankings. There are other rankings out there as well. And people complain about the U.S. News rankings of, well, they weigh this 0.8% and this 22% and that's all wet. You know, everybody comes up with a scorecard based on their idea of what's important. And I've never seen uh, a school ranking uh, that was ridiculous uh, and most of these scorecards that I've seen, I can't say, well, of the ones I've seen, I've been impressed with them. Meaning, so you might say, I like conduits because they emphasize uh, free market ideas. Or you go to like an NRA scorecard. I'm not, by the way, I'm a little uh, displeased with how the NRA operates. Go to this. family council. Go to family council. Um, sure. uh, and they emphasize uh, family issues. You know, and so the scores may come out somewhat different. Yeah. That's because we, we, we're looking at different information. And as an informed consumer, you have to understand what the scorecard's about and use it appropriately. Well, Joe, I like that you guys score from committees because wherever you cast oh, yeah. a vote has a direct impact on a piece of legislation. Absolutely. You, you know, you can kill a bill inside the committee. Most of them get killed in committees. And, and if that's the case... Then why shouldn't it be looked at? I don't, you know, if it's a good piece of legislation and you got a bunch of uh, Republicans, let's just say it's Republicans, alleged Republicans, yeah, that are killing okay. it, then that's that should be a negative vote. For Cooper them. killed, killed, stand your ground. Yes, Cooper's he did. a Republican, and that would never show up on a scorecard if you weren't scoring committee votes. I want that scored because that was a bad vote. Let me tell you. Well, well, there is uh, there are a lot of dynamics in in scoring, and a lot of a lot of the legislators, most of them, I would say, they know how to manipulate scorecards because they know about what the the scoring entity is going to be scoring, and they will allow certain legislators in certain districts to vote for or against something, knowing that it will have no effect, just so that can have the score that they want. It's it's really interesting looking at it for the past ten years. Those, those patterns of behavior. Well, kudos to you guys. Cool, I mean this sincerely. Cool kudos to you guys, and I hope Dave's audience pays close attention and takes a look at your scorecard. And I have, I haven't, I've seen no advanced version of it. I can't tell you if I'm going to agree with every uh, decision that they've made on it. That's the point, though, right? It's information. Read it like an informed consumer. Decide uh, if you uh, what you agree with, what you don't agree with, whatever. But Conduit puts a lot of strong, positive, intellectual effort into producing these scorecards. This is a 
real thing. And uh, we need more of this because too much of what goes on in the legislature is not seen or evaluated by the public. And you know what? The average Joe is not going to go and look up John Smith legislator and start to read all of his votes and compare it to somebody else. Conduit does it for you. All right. Got to take a break. Let's get our final break in. We'll come back, finish this hour up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Joe and Brenda are here. Sounds like to me the scorecard is about ready to be uh, delivered here in the next uh, few days. When, when the, If you guys can, when you are going to talk about the scorecard, why don't, if I can talk to you real nicely or whatever and buy you lunch, can I get you guys to come up here to to Little Rock and sit down in the studio? Sure. Maybe, maybe not. He's going to play hard to get now. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but you have to agree to give us two hours, not one hour. I was going to say that. Let's take a couple of hours and we can you we can break it car. down and look at and yeah. look at everything really close. Can we meet halfway in Chisholmville? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do we, that. We just did a uh, we just did a, a cursory review of it just now, scoring all the bills, and uh, so you don't really know how how the ranking is going to look. And uh, just as we came on air, there are twenty four bills. You know, we we the ranking pops up automatically, the calculator from the formulas, and. Wow, we were sort of shocked. There's some um, additives. They've got to add the weights on the committee vote, so we'll see how that, that changes it. Last last uh, scorecard, the committee votes really did not change the ranking. Uh-huh. But uh, when you see them, if it stays the same, you'll think that uh, we had our finger on the scale, but I'm telling you, we don't. Well, you know what, what I think? You don't have a big about. enough thumb to make a big issue out of it, Brenda. <laughs> My fingers aren't heavy enough. <laughs> Before the break, we were talking about um, uh, the different kinds of scorecards and the information uh, that people get from a scorecard. And something we talked about at our conduit meeting today was the uh, concept of information asymmetry. Yes. And, and that illustrates there's a big imbalance between the amount of information a legislator has or a bureaucrat has than the general public has. There's a big imbalance. It's not symmetrical. And what we would like to do in Conduit is just balance that and make it more symmetrical where people have more knowledge so that they can understand what the legislators are doing, not just from the legislative perspective. Because well, they're really good exactly at explaining the way. Can I emphasize Joe's point here? Because I know that this is their, their baby, and I want to b- make this point as an outsider. That's exactly why things like these scorecards from people and folks at Conduit are so important. Because they sit down. They spend 50, 100 hours putting all this data together in a spreadsheet so that you, your listeners, Dave, can then just pick it up and read and say, John Smith gets a B minus, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, so and so gets an A plus. That's why this is valuable. It's not that uh, you and I and your listeners are unable to do it, but we are unable to do it. Meaning, you know how much time it takes, you know how much effort it takes. These guys are doing it for you. And r- listen, they're going to break down how they do it, read how they do it, determine whether you agree with their priorities. Which is one of the reasons why you should be reading their information because they are spending the time and and talking to the movers and shakers and those who are making the decisions and then 
you get to make up your mind if in the end they got legitimate reasons for doing what they do. Exactly. Well, and we read the bills. Number one, I mean, we read them and we understand the the, the cumulative effect of those bills. But another another real important question that your audience should ask itself is, you know, why do we do what we do? I mean, what do we have to gain versus the naysayers? What do they have to gain? And, and that, that's a, a whole subject in and of itself. You know, none of us are running for office and none of us make money doing this. So what, what is our, you know, that's what they can't figure out that drives them nuts. But last uh, scorecard, uh, we had people asking us how we came up with the calculations. And, and they asked it over and over. It was sort of like the, uh, you know, Russian uh, saga we've all gone through recently. If you keep asking it, maybe you'll get a different answer. But, Robert, it sounds like you must have read how we, you know, we scored. I mean, we we printed it. Exactly. You must have read it. Exactly. That's Thank the thing. You. Look, you know, here's the thing. If you're a socialist listening to this show and you want government control of business, uh, you still should read the conduits um, uh, profiles and, and scorecard, but you're not going to agree with how they score it because you want the opposite of what they want. So read what they do. Read what they're telling you they're doing and decide if you're on board with what the, what their values are. And then if you're, a, go ahead. Yeah, if you're a Marxist socialist, then vote for the lowest score. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just turn it upside and put it in the mirror. Exactly. Yeah, just just vote for the loser. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I like that. Unfortunately, there are several Republicans that'll end up looking good in that mirror. Yeah, I can imagine. That's right. That's I can right. imagine. All right. We got Joe, we got uh, of course Brenda. Don't forget uh, conduitnews.com. Uh, go there, read the articles and uh, be prepared that they're going to spend 2 hours on a Monday here either next week or the week after and talk about their scorecard. Hey, y'all, we're going to let you go. Thanks for being part of the show today and coming on an hour earlier. Thanks a lot. We enjoyed it. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Fantastic. Good to have them with us. we got to take a break. Pat Davis is up next. I'm going to let Robert sneak out of here. He's going to be back on Thursday with me. And Bob Ballinger <laughs> and uh, Kim Hammer will be on, both senators, and they're going to deconstruct the session, what went right, what went wrong. You'll get to hear all of that at 4 o'clock on Thursday. Tomorrow, it's the power panel. I'll be back in about five minutes. All right, final hour. Pat Davis joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's been on a few times here in the last few weeks. He joins us again, and I'd like him. Uh, and the reason he's with us is because there's some things that are going on. All of the uh, candidates for the Democratic nomination, keep bringing up Medicare for all as though it's the panacea that's going to solve all of our health care problems. Let me just say this. When the government controls your health care, they control you. And I I firmly believe that if they if they have basically open open reign on your your wallet in taxation and then they can tell you who you can see and how much would be spent on you as far as your health care. They have a draconian control over your life. And so with, with Pat here, let me just ask you, when you hear these guys and gals, uh, or I should say men and women, I've been 
lambasted because I call them gals, but <laughs> men and women. Uh, bottom line is, does it just infuriate you because it's really they're not really saying what they're thinking? Yeah, I, I think that they know what they're talking about. I, I don't think they're ignorant. No. Um, some of these guys and, and ladies are pretty brilliant, but it's pretty obvious that they don't think we are because they, they throw stuff out there all the time. Oh, they're like, the elite. What's that? They're the elite. Yeah. They know it all. Okay. Reach underneath there. There should be a little silver button underneath the lip of the table. Oh, it came undone. Now you can hear me. I can hear you now. 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 Okay, so <laughs> Make we got, our own his, commercial. got his headphones. Got his headphones <laughs> put in. So anyway, bottom line is, is that you're right. They think we're dumb. Yeah, and we're not as dumb as they think. That's right. That's right. So my my topic I want to go over today is called Healthcare in America. What is single payer, and how will it affect me? And I told Dave as we were coming in that um, I was listening to the previous show, and they're talking about. Sally Pike. She's genius. I tell you what, when it comes to understanding what happens in this arena. She breaks it down. Oh, my gosh. She's great. But what what blows my mind is when you listen to these politicians, especially the ones who are running for 2020, they say things that are so easy to be able to tear apart. And the big thing that hit me is the Kaiser report said 71% of the people in America say they want single-payer insurance. And they just throw that out there as a blanket statement. But the problem is they don't know what single-payer means. It's like if you told someone, okay, are you for or against the Electoral College? They say, oh, it's got to go. You know, I'm hearing about this all the time. It's got to go. And then if you ask them, well, how do you feel about a few big counties and a lot of bigger cities doing all of the electing and the smaller middle of the country people get left out. Oh, no, I wouldn't want that. It's the same kind of concept. People just think they know, and politicians throw stuff out there, and they just leave it stick, and it's not true. And so when people find out that single-payer means one-payer government only, no more private insurance, no more options, then it drops down to 30-something percent. And I think probably part of those 30-something percent probably don't understand it either. It's, it's just that crazy. So when we look at this, we have to understand when we say single payer, there's no other option. It means the government's taken over everything with our health care. We don't like that, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, here's the key is that when I say carte blanche, we want you to have Medicare for all, everybody, mm-hmm. all right? Most people think, I'm saying you're going to get it all for free. Right. Because most people, unless they're in Medicare, have no idea how much you pay yeah. in Medicare. There is not a, the the government doesn't pay for my prescriptions. Right, right. You know, I've got absolutely. A, I've got another subset. I've got two other pieces of of uh, uh, insurance that cover me, that cover everything that Medicare doesn't, and I pay about four hundred dollars a month for those two. Right, absolutely. And when you go back to the Kaiser thing, that makes a good point of what you're saying. The first thing they said to people is, "Now you understand, even though we're talking single payer, that's going to mean that your taxes are going to go up." Right away, the number of people that accept it just fall off. Did you fast. Did you see what Bernie Sanders said over the weekend? 
He said, basically, if you take the two percentages he talked about raising taxes, it, he was he was talking about raising taxes by over 13% on every American. Yeah, not just the 1%. No. Which he's a part of. Yes. <laughs> and that's why he says billionaires now. Instead of millionaires. Instead of millionaires, because he is a millionaire now. Absolutely. So if we look at this, because you hear people say, well, what about Canada? What about the UK? What about all different places in Europe? It the, sucks yeah, there. The National Health Service turned 71 in July. That's the national program in England. In, in, I mean, in, in uh, yeah, in England. The suggested average wait time to see a doctor is now 62 days. Two months to see a doctor. They have a a four-hour ambulance rule. What is that? We're going to pick up as many people as we possibly can and be to the hospital within four hours. How crazy is that? If I have to go to the hospital in an ambulance, I want to be the only one on there, and I want to get there fast. So these are the kind of things that can happen. 236,000-plus Brits wait six months or more for care. 46,000 over nine months. There are eleven thousand dollars, eleven thousand doctors short right now. They're offering thirty-three thousand dollars U.S. for them to come back. They're forty-six thousand short with nurses. It takes nineteen weeks to see a specialist. Four months to see a specialist. Mick Jagger was in Florida and he had a problem with his heart. And what did he do? Fly he went to back New to, York. He flew to New York yep. to Presbyterian Hospital, one of the best hospitals in the United States, and had a heart valve replacement done. He could have gone to year, back to London and had it done for free. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't do that. In Canada, there are over 200,000 Canadians that leave every single year outside of Canada to get Canada to get either a test or some kind of procedure done. So that's outside the U.S. So let's look at the USA. Under Obamacare, the average premium today is $600 a month. Now understand, that includes people that get a subsidy, and that includes people like myself. For just my wife and I, our premium would have been pretty close to $1,800. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, 173 million people are on private insurance. They don't know that if they get on single payer, that's gone. Yeah, and that's now, the most first people, thing to go. Exactly right. Vermont had a single payer bill put forth. They took it off after three years. That's Bernie Sanders land up there. Yeah. And they took it off because they realized the people were not going to be willing to pay those taxes. Uh, California, New York, you got Cuomo. Colorado. You had to pull stuff. Colorado, their, their amendment 69 was shot down 79 to 21 for single payer. The people, once they understand this, it doesn't take a whole long time. And here's something a lot of people don't know. When he was a senator... Barack Obama was all single-payer, all the way. When he became president, he cut the single-payer idea out and went with Obamacare. Okay, And we all know the result and what's been happening with that. Now that he's a citizen again, he's pro-single-payer. So it just shows you that people aren't being honest with the American people when it comes to health care. But with that, and why am I on here? That's what I do. I offer 
really good, low-quality health insurance. And I recommend, in fact, I'm going to give away a gift card, a $100 gift card for anybody that texts, calls, or goes to my website and emails me and says, hey, I'd like to be able to get some information. I'd like to get a quote. I'd like to do a comparison with what I already have, or I don't have any insurance at all, but I'd like to find out a little bit more about what you do. My number is 501-605-6935. You can call me or text me or go to yourhealthplanman.com. It's really simple to remember, yourhealthplanman.com, and my phone number's on there too. But people are paying way too much for health insurance. I cut my premium for my wife and I basically about in half of what it would have been on Obamacare. And I recently went to a situation, I had a blood clot in February, and my almost $8,000 bill, I'm looking at about $800 out of pocket. And that includes the follow-up visit and meds that I had to start taking. So insurance is as fake as what's going on on the 2020 candidate side as far as what they're pushing and trying to promote that people can see is just baloney. All right. Joe, I want to ask you if you'd heard about over in the UK about the ambulances. They, they passed they passed a law that said as soon as you hit the doors from the from the uh, ambulance they have to see you within 20 minutes to ascertain to triage you to see how and what is wrong with you in 20 minutes. How long do you think the average ride in an ambulance is from a house to the hospital now here or over there over there in uk long time two and a half hours two and a half hours think about that because they don't want you to hit the door because they've got to make sure that they space them just right so they can make the time limit yeah yeah. where they get fined yeah Absolutely. You know, and you know, I've talked about this, Dave. One of the things I like to talk about is price transparency, which is another big deal. Uh, January 1 became law in America. The hospitals have to be able to show what true pricing looks like. Well, here's a newsflash for everybody listening to me. If you've got a standard major medical plan through your employer or if you've got an Obamacare plan, you don't get to enjoy this. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, go to my website, yourhealthplanman.com. I've got blogs I've written on there and all kinds of different stuff about this very topic. I've got videos from the best experts in the country. My insurance that I offer uses price transparency. So I know if I'm going to go and have a colonoscopy, I'm going to get a discount. I'm going to get X amount paid and I'm going to pay what's left over out of my pocket. And Mm -hmm. what's incredible, when I shared that about that almost $8,000 and I'm out of pocket only about 800 bucks, I'm going to pay my 800. The insurance company is going to pay the provider its part. And that's the real bill. All the rest of that's fluff. So you always ask me, Dave, you know, hey, if people ever say it's too good to be true, and the answer is I get that all the time. So what I've come up with is there's really two groups. One says it's too good to be true. I'm not willing to trust you. The other says, you know what? That does sound too good to be true, but it makes sense that maybe I could take advantage of all those extra savings and it doesn't have to get passed on to the provider or to the insurance company because we know that it's a relationship that's been around for a long time. And so it makes sense that I'm going to be able to get more out of my insurance if the insurance company and the provider get less. 
and they're still happy. That's the part about it. So they're making out like bandits in most situations. So you get a $50,000 bill, you pay your deductible, your $5,000, $10,000, you pay another 20%, and you're so happy until you talk to one of my clients who lives around the corner from you, and they had the same experience, and that $50,000 bill was repriced to what a true bill should be, and then the money would be paid for based on that price, And in some cases, even the client gets a check back from the company. I just showed Dave a check I got back from the company, and that's what made my out-of-pocket so very little. So I challenge you. It doesn't matter what you have for insurance. If you are paying, you can pay too little, and you can pay too much for health insurance. If you're paying only a few hundred dollars a month for a family, you don't have good insurance. I can tell you that right now, and if you have something major happen, you're going to be in trouble. I can help you. If you're paying... You know, a mortgage payment every month for your insurance, for your health insurance. Or more. Get a hold, Yeah, or more. Get a hold of me. I can help you. And as I told somebody the other day, it could be just some people just have too small of a mortgage payment. Because I'm telling you, it is thousand, $1,500, $2,000 and more. And if you have COBRA, call me. I have had no one ever that got on COBRA that I couldn't help save at least half on their monthly premium and give them, in my opinion, better insurance. All right, Pat Davis is going to be here for this hour. Keep listening, but here's the first thing you got to do. You got to call. You got to call him or you got to text him, and you'll be put into the drawing for a $100 gift card that he's going to give away later tonight. What's the phone number to call there, Pat? What's your number? It's 501-605-6900. Three, five. And what I need you to do is to get in the drawing by tonight by either calling, texting me, or going online. Then we're going to get a hold of the various people, and then it'll probably be within a handful of days that we'll do the actual drawing. Okay. okay. There you go. We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. you got a question for Pat? 823-0965. 823-0965. If you're not understanding what he's saying, how this works... Here's your opportunity. Give a call, 823-0965. You know, PI Roofing Home Solutions now cleaning gutters as well since they bought Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services. So you're going to get the great high-quality uh, roofing that they do, the comprehensive roofing that they've been doing now for 14, 16 years. And they'll come in and fix any repairs that are necessary in your home that was caused by leaks in your roof or along the edges in the soffit and, and things of that nature. They'll take care of all that for you. For you to find out exactly what they do, just go to piroofing.com. They'll give you all the ifs, ands, buts, t's, crossed, i's, dotted. Piroofing.com. All right, back with you. Pat Davis is our special guest today. He's talking to you about health insurance. He's looking at Obamacare and other health insurances and telling you how you can save money. Now, one of the things he's talked about is this drawing he's going to have, and I'll let him take it from there, and he can explain how this drawing works. Okay, thanks. So what we're going to do is for anybody that either calls, texts, or goes on my 
website and emails me by midnight tonight that's saying, hey, I would like to get uh, some more information about your health insurance. I'd like to have a comparison done with what I have. Or, you know, I don't even have any insurance, but I'd like to look into getting some. Uh, then we'll, we'll put you in the drawing. It's not just a carte blanche, hey, if you call, we'll put you in the drawing. And it is someone that we are wanting to be able to talk to and try and give them a comparison and help them. My number is 501-605-6935. You can call or text me, 501-605-6935. And I'm here local. I live in Cabot. And uh, you also can go to yourhealthplanman.com, yourhealthplanman.com. I have some articles I've written on there. I've got videos from some of the top experts in the country when it comes to health insurance, to health care, and they're not the same. A lot of people think they're the same, and that's another one of those 2020 candidates just throwing these things out there about health insurance and health care, and they are definitely not one and the same. All right, so he's going to help you out. You just need to call in and talk to him, and we're asking some questions and letting him explain how he can save you money. Pretty good deal, if you ask me. Put you into a drawing for a $100 gift card. That's pretty good. And easiest $100 you'll ever make if you happen to win. <laughs> that's, that's right. Uh, that's the way it works. Okay, Pat Davis is my guest. We've got about 60 seconds here uh, before we're going to have news. So let's talk a little bit about what's coming up tomorrow. The power panel is in again tomorrow. Jan Morgan will be back. Elizabeth Sotolaro will be here along with R.D. Hopper. They will be the power panel tomorrow. Uh, One of the main things that uh, Jan and I will talk about is that if you decide that you want to use marijuana as a medicine and you go out and get yourself one of those medicinal cards uh, to use uh, marijuana, understand that's going to affect your gun rights. That's not been talked enough about because marijuana, even though it's legal for medicinal purposes, uh, if you have one of these cards in Arkansas, it is still an illegal substance nationally by the federal government. For that reason, uh, they can take away your uh, concealed carry license. Keep that in mind. All right, and we'll talk about it. Also, the Bible Guys tomorrow at 5 o'clock. you got a question for them. Bible Guys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. And they'll answer those questions as well. Here's the news. All right, we got the break here uh, taken care of. We're back. Come back and talk to Pat Davis some more. Phone number to get a hold of Pat, 501-605-6935. You can text to that number, by the way, and uh, tell him you'd like you to call him or get a hold of him. You want to talk to him uh, about uh, this process that he's been talking about here on the air today uh, and, and make it clear to you. I mean, when you talk insurance... It's a complicated subject. It really is. And you need to make sure you got all the facts and figures. Or go to yourhealthplanman.com, yourhealthplanman.com, and you can send him a question there. Bottom line, you uh, get a hold of him. Uh, you talk to him about uh, some insurance, things of that nature. There's a possibility you could win yourself a $100 gift card. His uh, phone has been ringing and... Uh, you can go through the phone or you can call him right now and talk to him on the air. Just call 
828-823-0965 and ask him, well, does it cover this and this or, or that? He can answer all that on uh, your uh, your phone call. By the way, one question that I guess I would have if I were uh, out there listening, what about cancer and terminal diseases Uh, you guys cover that type of thing yeah again it depends on you know this is not obamacare i want to make that very clear so basically with that you come home and you see your house is on fire you can go and get homeowner's insurance it's never going to happen you can't buy auto insurance when you have an accident right you have to have an advance so we do treat and and look at pre-existing conditions, and I do explain how that works. But Mm -hmm. let's say somebody did um, have nothing to do with cancer or any other condition, and all of a sudden they were diagnosed with cancer. Well, I put them in a special plan that doesn't cost a lot that besides the health insurance itself is going to write them a check for anywhere from ten dollars to $50,000, heart attack, cancer, stroke mainly, and there's a few other things. So those are some real helps. Um, the plan has an incredible benefit for accident. One of the greatest parts about it is people tell me all the time, Dave, man, I pay so much for my health insurance. And then when I go to use it, everything goes toward my deductible. Yeah. It's like, why am I paying so much? Well, not my clients. So what we do when it comes to emergency, outpatient, all those kind of things, the deductible doesn't even come into play. So when you go to the hospital, yeah, that's where the deductible is going to come into play. But other insurances, you're always going to be out that money, no matter what, up until a certain amount. Not with ours. And that's why I want to talk to people. All they got to do is call me, 501-605-6935, or text me. I like texting as well. Or they can go to my uh, website, yourhealthplanman.com. And if they do that and say, hey, Pat, I want to talk to you about some insurance before midnight tonight, they get a hold of me. Just leave a message, whatever. I'll put them in a draw, and I'm going to give somebody a $100 gift card. That's a decent uh, deal. Yeah, like a visa, you know, yeah. not, not a something that, you know, it's going to be cash. Yeah, like we're that. not going to send you nothing against Walmart. We're not going to send you, yeah. make, make you go shop at Walmart. Right. Yeah, it's, Walmart's not behind the drawing. Let's just yeah. put it that way. And there's no obligation. You know, I can't obligate anybody to do something. But that is, right. the obligation would be just to ask me for some information. So one of the things, if it's okay, Dave, I'd like to kind of dovetail. You're talking about the medical marijuana. Yeah. Medicine in general is another scam. We all know that. But I really got to find out firsthand. And I've shared this with you before and our listeners who maybe heard me a month ago or about whatever. But uh I had a blood clot, and then I started taking Eliquis, and that's $8 a pill that you have to take twice a day. Well, my doctor said, just go ahead and get it through the Canadian pharmacy, and I actually get my med through Turkey, believe it or not, the nation of Turkey, $1.50. And they've got to make profit on that, and they've got to get it over from Turkey over here. Mm-hmm. And it's not coming over on a rowboat, right? Right, right. So they're making money and it's still that little of a price. So here's a good example. I talk about transparent pricing. I love talking about transparent pricing because this is a sad part, my friend. Probably 70 to 80, maybe even 90% of the people listening to me right now who have health insurance, this doesn't apply to them because their insurance company makes all the extra money that they could be saving in their bills because of price transparency. 
but they don't get to because the insurance company and the provider get to share all that money. Not with me, not with my clients. We let them get to experience this firsthand. So you have a 75 cent injection. That's what it costs the hospital. They charge $360. We have a a pacemaker, excuse me, $9,000. Yeah, that and was in reasonable. Oklahoma. Yeah, City. in Oklahoma. Yeah. Ninety five thousand dollars at the hospital around the corner. Or a hospital bill, this is pretty typical, maybe ten thousand dollars, charge seventy five thousand dollars. A rattlesnake venom, right? Anti venom that cost two hundred dollars was billed forty thousand dollars and they had to have two. That's four hundred dollars for eighty thousand dollars what they charge for that medicine. And we know what happens. And this is what's going to happen if America does go, like we talked about in the beginning, anything like a single payer. You're going to wait forever to get it. There just was a lady, a young lady, 30-some years old. I think she was in her 20s. And she found out she had cancer. But she had to get a test done. It took her two years to get the test. Two years. Now she's dying because she's stage four cancer. That's ridiculous. But that's what our politicians are prescribing to us. I hate to use the word prescribing, but it is like a prescription. And it's really sad how much the American people are swallowing this hook, line, and sinker. But not just when it comes to uh, the the politicians and their ideas, but the insurance companies. You look at every big-name insurance company. If you're hearing me right now and you've got a big-name insurance company, they're going to take advantage of the price transparency. You are not, okay? Our company is a boutique company. There's like 1,500 companies in America you've probably never even heard of, and a lot of them are going to give you better insurance rates than the big-name companies. It's a fact. And then when you go to use them, they're going to treat you better as well. And you can actually get a hold of a human being. I like that as well. So when you're dealing with price transparency, either a company will show you how you can take advantage of that. If you're going to a woman and you have to have a mammogram, you know what it's going to cost before you even go and have it. And you can decide if you want to pay cash and get reimbursed, you'll even save more money. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to. You can walk in, show them your insurance card. They'll bill you two, three, however many days later. And one other thing we talked about, and I love this, there's a woman called Seema Verma who's the head administrator of the CMS or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And she said, can you imagine going going to the grocery store, loading up a couple grocery carts full of groceries, and then leave? And then a week later, two weeks later, get a bill. And you don't know what it costs before then. That's what people do all the time with health insurance. But again, when I said, Dave, you always say, man, don't people say it's too good to be true? Yeah, over and over and over and over. It's like Wizard of Oz. Dorothy and her friends are just freaking out in front of the great and powerful Oz until little Toto pulls back the curtain and exposes him for the fraud that he is. And that's what companies are doing today. They're exposing the insurance industry. They're exposing the healthcare industry and showing people how they can save money and they can put that money back in their pockets 
rather than the insurance company. And I save people who are on their company insurance. I am taking spouses off because it costs so much for their spouse to be on their insurance, and then they're keeping the other person on. But I have people who have left their company insurance to go with me because our rates are a lot of times half of what it costs. So people, if you're hearing me, you have nothing to lose except for a few minutes. Just call me. Just text me. Just go on my website and give me a chance to look. You'd be surprised how much I might be able to save you, especially if you're on Cobra. 501-605-6935. Call in or to send a text message or go to the website, yourhealthplanman.com. Got more to finish up uh, this hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back in just a moment. If you have a question, 823 I'm, I'm amazed that we haven't heard from anybody for the simple reason we're talking about saving significant money here. 823-0965 is the number to call here on the show. And we're back with Pat Davis. Let me remind you about his phone number again, 501 605 6935 and then the website com. he knows the information you need to know look a lot of you think you know it all i know that i've, I've, I've talked to somebody oh yeah i do this and i do that <laughs> let me just say this i bet you there's there's less than 20 percent of the people who listen to my show when i talk this this subject that know now that you can sign up for health insurance at any time. There's not special times yep. that you can sign up. Uh, it's always available to you. Is that not right? Yeah, unless it's a person who wants to get on an Obamacare plan or okay. the ACA. They do have still the October 15 enrollment date. You know? And why do you want to do Obamacare if you can get something you know, a thousand times better. I mean, that, that if the government is offering something and they're saying to you, as they are when you listen to these Democrats, that Obamacare sucks because, look, we can do it better if we give it to you, Medicare for all, they're telling you what they're offering you is a losing proposition. And what they're putting out in its place is even a bigger loser, to be honest with you. Go out Talk to somebody like Pat and let him educate you on how you don't have to be taken anymore. Yeah. Yeah, he'll do that for you. He'll give you all the information that you need so that you can save yourself uh, some, not just little money, some big cabbage. Yeah. Way I like to put it. Yeah, and yeah. and maybe even win a $100 gift card. Yeah, I process. forget about that because I, <laughs> I think the information's worth it whether you sign up for the gift card or not, because it's going to save you money. Look, I saw the the checks that he had sent to him. One was, what, for $895? Yeah. That's, a, that's not a small check, man. Yeah. That's when you don't want to lose in the mail. I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. That's right. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about, uh, again, uh, your this health plan that, that you're talking about. What's the number one thing that people need to understand about it from Obamacare? Obamacare is a one-size-fits-all plan 
that has coverage for, and that was one of the biggest frustrations for my wife and I. I'm 60 and she's 59. We're not too interested in maternity. Okay. Um, we're not interested. Makes sense. Yeah. And we're not interested in supporting a lot of the abortion things that are part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you think about it. Anything a liberal Democrat is going to put on the books, it's going to have stuff in there that we don't believe in as Christians. And you're playing, you're paying for it. Yeah. And you're paying for it. And, but even if you're getting a good discount or whatever, for us, it was a, a conscious thing for us. We did not like that. Okay, so a lot of people, what they've done is they've gone to different kind of Christian plans, you know, MediShare, Christian Health Share, different things sure. like that. And the guy that I work with in our group, he's the head of our group, he's spoken twice at the national conference for a group called the Christian Health Share Plans, and we believe in them and uh, promote a mix or a, a combination of that plan plus our health insurance because they work together very, very well. But one of the biggest things to understand about any kind of Christian share plan, and I'm not trying to dog it, but it's not insurance. And there's nothing backing it if we ever had any kind of a pandemic or whatever to hit the country. Everybody's, you know, is sending money to everybody else. And I heard somebody say they're going to definitely pray for you, but they might not pay for you. And that's important to understand that. Okay. And again, we believe in them. But I like them put together. I think they work really well. The other thing is the people have tried to save money by going a complete different extreme and picking up plans with companies that pay you $200 a day for the hospital or whatever. It maybe cost you a couple hundred bucks for a family or even an individual. You can pay too little for insurance, but you can also pay way too much. And, and there's people that are kind of on both of those spectrums, people that pay too little, and if they go to use it, they're going to be paying a ton of money out of pocket, and they've just thrown that premium away every single month. But then you got people who pay a ton of money, have a huge deductible anyway, and they don't get to use their insurance, it seems like, and they tell me all the time. So when I go, there's an alternative, they're just like, ah, oh, but I've just been told this is the only way. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And the only way you find that out is give me a chance. Let me look at what you have for insurance. If you don't have insurance, you've been going, man, it's just too much. I can't afford it. Maybe that's because you looked at an Obamacare plan without any kind of subsidy and you went, wow, that's a mortgage payment. Maybe not. Maybe I'm going to be able to save you enough money that you'll be able to finally own insurance. And just in the last handful of months, I can't tell you the number of people that are coming to me like, man, I can afford that. That's doable for me. I'm not going to have to take food out of our kids' mouths, right? Or take beans and taters mm-hmm. off the table. Sure. So that is a really, really big key. So you can pay too little, you can pay too much. But one thing I can tell you for sure, again, I'm not afraid to say this. I know probably somewhere between 70 and 90% of the people listening to me right now have insurance that's not doing for them what it could be doing, and the only way you're going to find out is to give me a shot. Dave wouldn't have me on here if I wasn't somebody that you'd be able to trust. Yeah, I wouldn't bring him in if I didn't think he had a legitimate uh, program that you should take a really close look at, and that's why I've asked him in here. Uh, All he's doing on this $100 gift card is saying, give me a call, 501-605-6935, or go to my website, yourhealthplanman.com, and uh, I'm going to talk to you about what you have. And look, if it's good, he's going to tell you it's That's good. Right. That's if right. it's not good, he'll say, 
have you thought about this? Yes. And I don't mind telling you to go to somebody like that. Because if he can save you money, then you're a big-time winner. If he can't, no harm, no foul as far Mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. All you've done is maybe you gave him 15 minutes to go over his plan versus your plan. I mean, it's the same thing that I do when I talk about Dwayne and and, uh, car insurance and everything else. Sit down, put your policy down that you have, say, here's my policy, what do you have that does the same or better and saves yeah. me money. Yeah, and I the great part about it is I do this mostly over the phone. I'll meet with someone if they need to meet with me, but I work in 12 states, and it's growing, actually, the number, and I have agents that work with me as well. Uh, so I do everything electronically, and you can nowadays. We can go over a brochure together on the phone. Mm-hmm. I can he- email it to you, go over step-by-step. Step. People don't want another meeting. I'm finding out more and more all the time, and so I don't have to worry about taking it hour of your time away from your family to come and see me or for me to have to invade your home right Right. we have to get it cleaned up and do whatever if you're (laughs) if you're right here in little rock right now you don't have to drive to cabot okay i know a lot of you think that's a long trip i make it twice every day i cabot to here and then from here back to cabot it's not as far as you think but still i understand you don't want to waste your time yeah. And I'll drive. It's not a big deal. I mean, I'm used to driving all over, but it doesn't have to be done that way. And one of the other things is I'd like to take a really laid back approach. I like to give people an opportunity to not feel like someone's breathing down their neck. I'll never forget. I've shared this with you before, Dave. My brother and my wife and I went to look for a car for my brother years ago. And a woman came up and she said, I'm going to sell you a car. Yeah. And we walked away and under his breath, my brother said, oh, no, you're not. Yeah, not and today. everybody's has felt that pressure of a salesman breathing down their neck. I don't do that. All I ask in return is the same kind of respect for my time. And I'll work with people and I'll help them find, if it's possible, something better for them. All right. Here's the phone number again. 501-605-6935. It's 501-605-6935. Yourhealthplanman.com is the website. Pat, thanks for coming in again today. We'll have you on here in the future. It's the Dave Ellswick Show tomorrow. We'll get together at 2 o'clock. Power panel tomorrow from 2 to 5 and from 5 to 6. It's the Bible Guys. Go BibleGuys at SalemLR.com for your questions. Until uh, tomorrow, have a nice evening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.